Hey everybody, you are listening to the We Are Rising podcast, your source for all things Rising and JMMA, news, features, reviews of fights, interviews, etc, etc. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin, and I'm joined once again by my faithful co-host, Jay Christian Gary from Focus Fights. Hey y'all, how's everything going? <laughs> and once again, we have with us, Dylan Fox, uh, co-host of the MLW show podcast uh the eastern lariat with striga joining us to review the rise in 16 show that just happened last week at kobe memorial world hall and dylan once again i appreciate you taking your time out to do this podcast with us man andrew i had such a good time last time i had to come back you know you know what the saying goes don't leave a job unfinished and since we did the preview i had to come back for the review myself Especially since I wanted to brag about how good my predictions were after last week as well, so I could just let that slide. Yes, but, uh, it's really I'm, I'm really happy to be on again, though. Honestly, like I said, when I came on last time, I'm still really new to all of this, the JMMA world. Uh, it came across really well. I was actually way more nervous on this show than I am on the wrestling shows that I do, but I think it came across well. Hopefully, the listeners enjoyed it too, and hopefully, they enjoyed this episode too as we break down what actually happened on the show. Absolutely, yes. And I also, just to remind people, you are going to be going to the uh, JMMA uh, uh, podcasting world now. Is that correct? That is correct, Andrew. Uh, on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Lariat, I'm going to be releasing the first episode of my show, Ryzen Tide. Uh, it's a pretty nifty name if you're going to pun on Ryzen. I think that's a good one, in my opinion. But... Uh, you know, I'm going to be releasing the first episode of that, and I'm going to try and get that out for free for everybody the first episode as well. But since I was coming on here, I wanted to save my, my thoughts and keep my thoughts close to my chest, so uh, me and you guys can have a fresh take on this. Yes, and uh, speaking of uh, predictions and all that stuff, I did write down all of our predictions and picks for the winners for the fight, so we will definitely be able to tally up who got the most or and who got the least. Um... But, but if you were to preview, you know, the results of who got the best picks, who would you say had more of an advantage? Oh, well, I don't, I'll be honest. I didn't go back to look at it um, until – actually, I, I just got up right now. So as we go through this, we'll definitely see and be able to tally up who, uh, who, who was the winner and who was the, the downright loser in, uh, for Ryzen 16 picks. Um, I have the advantage if you think about it because even if I lose and make all my picks wrong, I, I could just say, hey, I'm new at this. Uh, <laughs> so it, you know, that, that's all I can say. I can at least make some excuses. I have the built-in ex- Kind of like in wrestling, how you have a built-in injury before you take a loss. That, that's me here. Except my injury was just a, a brain injury. Okay, fine. So if you if you come in last, we'll, you'll get a pass. Okay, I will, uh, we'll, we'll agree on that, Dylan. But, uh, you don't have to give me a pass. I'll just make it up myself. Even if you don't, even if you don't give it. So. Okay. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. You know, at least you're not going to Vince Russo book it, you know, like that you actually pick somebody else, but you were actually talking about somebody else or that you're going to try to swerve us or anything like that. No, my Japanese pronunciation is too good to get, to get confused on that, unfortunately. I could, it wouldn't that have been something if I just said, I don't even know Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I picked all the winners. Uh, yeah. So, uh, 
But uh, so let's talk about this Ryzen 16 show, which uh, which was held at Kobe Kobe Memorial World Hall. Kobe World Memorial Hall in Kobe, Yogo, Japan. Um, I have uh, the attendance figures, and that's that's one of the things I want to first talk about. Um, so apparently Kobe, this the arena holds about eight thousand people. Um, but apparently they Ryzen said that they had an attendance of over eight thousand. Um, I'll get the exact numbers up, but. I'm just curious to know, uh, Dylan, as somebody, oh, here's the paid attendance. Uh, they said that they drew 8,107 people. Dylan, as somebody who's covered Dragon Gate, and who, we all know that Dragon Gate, I don't know if they still do it now, but they used to inflate their attendance figures, is that correct? They, oh, they were infamous for their inflation figures. The, uh, Dragon Gate and Inoki were both very uh, well known for their propensity to uh, sometimes add an extra zero <laughs> to some of their ratings, so to speak, uh, so some of their paid numbers. So, do, are you, do you know, so, what, do you happen to know what, what is the closest, or what, what is the, how much the, the Kobe World Hall does hold? Wikipedia says it's 8,000, but I don't know, I don't know if that's a correct number. Do you happen to have a better inclination of what they actually might hold? As an arena? Yeah, when, when it comes to Dragon Gate, they uh, always say around that number. It would be around six to 8,000. So uh, I think that might be a little high, but for the most part, I think you could trust them on, on that one. And on the Kobe World events, it's always six to 8,000 for the most part. Or, you know, four or five if it's a down year <laughs> for them. But I think it could hold it. So Ryzen's saying that they, that they held 8,000, that they got a pay attention of 8,107 people. Does that number seem like it could be accurate, or is that are they dragon getting their numbers potentially? It was probably a little high. That is, <laughs> just watching the show is probably a little high. And, you know, didn't Pride do that too? Oh, not, Pride. Not yes, Pride did that yeah. a lot. Um, there was a Pride reference on the show as well, so maybe that was a clue uh, <laughs> uh, that that they were letting you know. A certain fighter was letting us know that they were priding up their numbers right yeah. now on the show. That's funny. That's funny, but uh, yeah, I was, when I saw these numbers, I was just like, ah, those numbers don't, I don't know if those numbers can, are, are, are accurate. I'm sorry, Dylan, what was that? Uh, a little high, <laughs> I would say. Um, so, I guess, may, would it be more accurate that they probably got around maybe 7,000, maybe 7,500 people for the show? Yeah, yeah, 6,500, 7,500, uh, I would say would be more more accurate. Okay. I never understood the idea, the idea of inflating numbers uh, per personally. I always thought that was kind of like silly. Um, I guess I can understand why they want to do it from a reputation perspective, but to me, it just makes it harder. It just like it ruins all of your future versions because if they were to do eight thousand, we would have all these other evidence of them inflating numbers. Oh yeah. <laughs> pretty much in the future, so it would take down. Some well, you know, the funny thing is that. You know, compared to, like, America, Japan doesn't seem to really care if you inflate numbers or not. I mean, we have Anoki yeah, yeah, yeah. was saying, oh, for my retirement show, 70,000 people came to Tokyo Dome. And I can tell you, I've been to Tokyo Dome. There is no way, that's not even close to 70,000 seats in that thing. 40,000 at most. Maybe. So, just, yeah, yeah. 
it seems to be like it's it, they don't seem to really care like you do that like you can't do that in America really or like there's you get away you can you can't really get away with it as much um if you are you know if if you know the bigger you are as like a company or or anything like that but like in Japan it doesn't seem to like yeah new Japan was doing up doing it about up until about what was it maybe like four five six seven years ago inflate uh inflating the numbers as well yeah yeah it's kind of a sketchy time when they stopped some people say six, some people say like three or four, but uh, now they're pretty much safe. I think the Tokyo Dome this year for them did like 39,000 something, which is small compared to those fake numbers <laughs> that Noki gave you, but much more realistic uh, as it comes. Has UFC ever tried to like work their numbers in any way? Like say, oh, you know, we're here in Memphis, the FedEx Forum, there's 35,000 people. I think maybe I think for maybe the early shows they might have tried to do that, but I know but probably when Zufa came around, I'm gonna guess probably not. Um and especially now of uh Warner Media, I think it is, or whoever owns them. I don't think that they they're not in the business Actually, of I mean the people that own the UFC are William Morris Endeavor. Oh William yeah, William Morris Endeavor, yeah. Um, they don't, you know, they, they don't do that at all. Perhaps, yeah, maybe no. for the, for, for the, for the, uh, for the, uh, freak show era of UFC, they, they were doing that, but I definitely know that they weren't, they, you know, they may just round up saying, oh, if, you know, there's, there's 9,000 people, you know, they might, um, broadcast say, we have 10,000 people standing, people here at, at, at the whatever arena watching Conor McGregor or whatever. But I know when they officially release their their attendance figures, the uh, the gates they don't they don't actually um, inflate them at all. They, they would get a lot of shit if they did that. Um, if they, yeah, so you're saying that would be like a scandal if that came out. But it, that were true. It wouldn't even be uh, a, a scandal. I don't I don't think. You no, know, the funny thing also is that they're a privately held company, so they can actually get away with it. But I think they. They've always wanted to be taken seriously ever since they got taken over by Zufa. If you inflate your attendance figures and say shit like that, you know, then people are going to be like, the fuck is this rinky dick carny shit? Sorry, Dylan, what were you going to say? I was going to say, like, I can just imagine now Dana trying to defend his, his work numbers if, the, if this were a real thing. Because uh, they, pri- they were privately held. Uh, but, like, there was, like, an expose that came out from someone that said, yeah, they added a thousand people to their last show. This one, they added 10,000. Uh, I can totally see Dana lying about it. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely, yeah. And now also, we, you know, we got uh, Chatri, uh, who runs uh, 1SC, you know, who says oh, that... Oh, Don't even get us started talking about fucking <laughs> Chatri, y'all, Tom. Well, you know, he's saying that 60 million people are watching his show at one given time, so, you know... Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> 60 million people. Very realistic number there, Chuck. Yeah, uh, but between him and the constant hyperbole that 1FC uses and the fact that they use a fake, ver- a discount, good val- great value version of Lenny Hart, who's actually from my area, from my neck of the woods, I mean, I can't really get behind 1FC, especially for all the bullshit they're known for. Um, I have one last question in relation to this subject. Yes. If you ran to, if you, let's say you ran Rise, 
and one of your executives told you, we're going to work the numbers on the show. We want to add an extra piece. Would your strategy be to either, like you kind of said with UFC, maybe doing some time, maybe rounding up a little bit, maybe add a couple hundred people on, or would you go all the way with it oh, and say, look, we did 15,000 people on the show. No. <laughs> oh, God, no. In this day and age, you can't get away with that. Like, there's a difference between saying, you know, and you know what, they may have, you know, they're saying this is the paid attendance, so... That's what they're saying is how many people paid for tickets. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they would count, you know, comps or papering or any of that stuff. I think there's a there's a difference between, you know, saying like, oh, we'll put in an extra thousand people, uh, versus you know saying, oh, we're at the uh, we're at the Pontiac Silverdome. There's seventy seven thousand people here, but let's instead say that there's ninety three thousand people, which is which is physically impossible and has been, you know, it is not, not entirely possible. It, it re- cannot happen at all. There's a big difference between working numbers that is just so unrealistic and just putting a little bit of extra, I think a little extra, um, a little extra on it. Um, I agree. I agree. And, and, and you know, I kind of, you know, I kind of expect, you know, most, most places do that anyway. Um, well, I just say, yeah, I'll, I'll say not most, but I think a lot of places, do, a lot of venues or sports shows, right, or they do, I think they do, it. most of them do perk up the, the tendencies a little bit, um, but when you're talking like a number that's not even realistically possible for a venue, or it's just, you know, oh, 100 people came, but you're going to say that 10,000 people came, yeah, that's when you're like, you're going off the deep end there, uh, partner. Um, well, the other thing I wanted to bring up was television ratings for Rise of 16. Um, Dylan, are you at all familiar with Japanese television ratings at all? Uh, I, I, we were talking about this off air a little bit, but in the wrestling world, TV is really like not that important. Yeah. So I, I'm not actually that all that familiar with it. The MMA is probably much more prominent than that. So uh, give me the scoop, put me up on game. So. This 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 rising card, rising sixteen, actually drew higher than the previous card, uh, the rising fifteen show, which was a got a five point eight percent rate uh, average rating. This one got a six point nine percent. Now apparently this is how they do it. Apparently these ratings only count for the Kansai region, so like the major areas of Tokyo, Osaka, Kyoto. Apparently. Other places in Japan are not considered in these ratings, what I've been told. So, Japan, their their method of television ratings is something that I still don't understand, despite being what I think was being explained it to. It still doesn't make any sense that, like, one region, one populous region is only accounted for in the television ratings, while, you know, Fukuoka... Or Okinawa seem to not be considered in, in the range at all, and I don't even know how they do the range. If it's like if they have like a Nielsen thing or equivalent, um, but I suppose that's how they do their ratings. But you are right, wrestling um, is not so much television based, but Ryzen is television based because they are on Fuji TV. Fuji TV is a pretty big network, and they've been whining. They, that, that's basically how they're, I don't want, not, that's not how they're surviving, but they're kind of, that is basically what is keeping them, 
I think more in the more in the public consciousness is that is there a Fuji TV deal. Um, I also think that they're the only major MMA promotion in Japan that does have a major television deal like that. All the other ones are on Abima or on Samurai TV. Um, some don't even. I don't even know if some even have television. I don't even know if Deep even has television. I think they just. They just do their shows live, and then you know they put up on YouTube. Um, but yeah, uh, I know that uh, I think that uh, Rise is the only one that has like a. It's like kind of like with New Japan. Like New Japan has it has the best television deal out of all the wrestling promotions because they're on TV SIE. Uh, they don't have the best. Yeah. Uh, they don't have the best uh, airtime, but they do. Yeah, like 1 a.m. Yeah, <laughs> but like compared to everything else, which is on. Um, uh, what is it? The uh, Gara Ga or just they just have a samurai TV deal, which some of them are paying for, I believe. Yeah, Fuji TV and, and Ryzen Ryzen TV's Fuji TV deal is the best one um, going right now. Yeah, I know. Even in America, a lot of, a lot of people I know can get somehow. There's a way you can get like the samurai TV and have it air to you in America. Yes, and a lot of people talk about that uh, the wrestling that's on there because a lot of promotions, like you said, like and especially sometimes it'll be like Joshi promotions. Dragon Gate has a show on there, and, and things like that. And Gara is the similar thing. Gara is more like a sports network uh, that Noah is really heavily affiliated with. But yeah, uh, yeah TV is, with wrestling is kind of, kind of a suspect thing. But did all? Would you say all of the MMA did? Like I, I know Pride did. Would did Dream have a deal there too when they were around? Or did Ryzen probably Dylan, oh, sorry, Christian, do you happen to know, I feel like Dream did have a TV deal, if I remember correctly, because they would have those big New Year's Eve shows that would get great ratings. Christian? Oh, no. Oh, well. Yeah, um, oh. I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, yes, I can hear you, yes. Yeah. Do you know if the Dream had a television deal, uh, a major television deal when it was um, around? I feel like they did because they had those, those New Year's Eve shows that would... Um, that were pretty, uh, pretty darn big. Yeah, I think they had like a short-time TV deal with the Tokyo Broadcasting System, ah. and they also ran their shows on exclusive pay-per-view over there through Sky Perfect. But all I know is over here in the states, they shown most of, if not all of, their events on Access TV, which used to be HDNet. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, those were the television ratings. Um, they, um, they, Ryzen has said that, uh, they want, that their goal is to get 8% rating. Um, I guess you could say that since this one was better than the one last, than for last show, it is, it is, a, that is a positive, but there's a lot of things on, on Japanese television. It's very hard. It's, it's a very competitive field. Uh, Japanese television is still a major. I know that people like to say that you know cutting the cord is becoming the next thing. That's not becoming a thing in Japan. People still tune yeah, in regularly to television there for their shows and all that stuff. None of this streaming shit is really a, has really uh, become a thing. Uh, you, you probably know that Dylan as well, right? Stuff is really healthy, right? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, this it's it's there's no there's streaming is just it's not it's just not a thing there really. People still like to tune in television. 
Um, yeah, it's not like here where Netflix is taking over and, and all that and stuff like that. In, in Japan, it's like, no. And, you know, you think that nowadays, it's not like they don't have any different technology than we have. You know, if, you, if you've got a PS4 or whatever, you can stream Netflix and all this and Hulu and all this crap on your TV if you want. But for whatever reason, the technology just has never been as big over there as you would think it would be. But you can TV still, is much more relevant. You can still buy DVDs and, and CDs in Japan. Think yeah. about that. Yeah, so um, I guess that's the. Uh, w- would you say, uh, Dylan, that the rating itself is a. Would you. If you were in the Ryzen office, would you consider it a positive rating or is it still. Yeah, I, you know, is it. Do you not consider it positive or is it indifference, I guess? How would you feel? Well, if I were in the Ryzen office, the company would close that by now. <laughs> 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 but, uh, but most importantly, uh, on the rating scale, uh, from what I can tell, what, and what did you say the uh, Rise of 15 show did? Uh, 5.8. It got a 5.8% rating. Uh, well, to me, uh, like, see, like you said, ratings are handled differently over there than here. But if something like that happened here where somebody did a whole point above their last show, that would be considered a great success, I feel like. So... Uh, this would have to be a good sign, and they're only a point away from getting to, the, to their eighth uh, desired rating, pretty much. They're only a point, point or so away. So I have to say that sounds good to me, but I'm not as much as an authority about that one. Christian, any thoughts? Well, to be honest, and what y'all were talking about? Oh, the, the television rating. Like, did you think it was, would you, if you were in the Rising Office, would you consider this rating a uh, 6.8% rating to be. Um, uh, would you consider it a positive or a negative? I would consider that to be a positive, but I would hope that we don't repeat those same numbers because you're saying, oh, a 6.8 is good, but pretty soon if you end up getting the same thing over and over again, you're just going to eventually drop, and then nobody will pay any attention to what Yeah, I just want to also... Also, just uh, just credit the person who had the range. It, it was uh, at Karevfan. Um, Karevfan on Twitter is the one who had these uh, who got these ratings. Um, but uh, we talked about the ratings. I will say too on the, on the ratings. The one thing I will say too is that this card was not exactly a star-studded affair. I feel like this wasn't there. You know, and it didn't have it had tension on it, but he was against a last-second opponent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of these fights were not exactly super marquee. Oh, that's a good point as well. Yeah. Um, also, the uh, the the ratings on the Fuji the, the TV the Fuji the Fuji TV version only showed the last three matches as well. So it wasn't the whole card. Uh, they only oh. sh- they only showed uh, everything from Miyu Yamamoto on to Tension. Um, also, okay. by the way, as well, considering that they got this rating, I don't know if you heard, but during the Tension match, uh, they went to commercial. During the actual match, and the the match, the finish was not on live. Oops. Yeah, big oops. 
that's like a, a TNA Impact, um, you know, pursuit yeah. level of like, oh, we ran, we ran the wrong show. Uh, we ran last month's show instead of this week's show type thing or whatever. But uh, or in the case of what Impact Wrestling is doing now, we're gonna run all the way to we're gonna run all the commercials and not even get back to the show. Oh yes, that too. <laughs> That too, as well. <laughs> oh, God. You don't want to be like Impact, no, no matter what you're doing, no matter what right. field you're in. Uh, right. Yeah, well, one of my so- my friends in Japan, he texted me when the show was live, and I'm, I'm going to get up the message uh, they sent me, but uh, sorry, uh, uh, Dylan, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I was so disappointed that you said they only had the last three matches. I thought this was our boy Kengo's mainstream debut. Oh, well, can't wait to talk about Kengo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so um, I, t- I, I, I texted him and, and I, I said, I heard the broadcast went to commercial during Tension's match and missed the finish. And then he replied back to me in, in all, in all um, caps, Fuji TV sucks. <laughs> oh, my God. So, if, if, if they do get bad ratings next for next show... You know, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the blame. Because trust me, if, if I was watching, you know, I'm watching UFC and I'm watching Khabib and Connor. Let's just say that's on like regular terrestrial television. And then they miss the finish of Khabib choking out Connor. I would be furious. Uh, actually, even more furious if I paid for it on pay-per-view and the feed went dead or something like that. So, yeah. So, we'll be interesting to see what ratings will be for the next show. Um, given what... Uh, Apparently, Fuji TV, uh, how they uh, had this little snack through on their end. But let's talk about this show, Rise of 16. And before we get into the individual matches, uh, I want to uh, ask, Dylan, what did you think of the show overall? Your, I guess, your, I don't, I don't, your first official step of step into the Ryzen uh, f- Fighting Federation event. Um... Global sphere, whatever you want to call it. What did you think of Rise? That's, that's a very interesting description you gave. Yeah. <laughs> that, so, um, yeah. So mostly before this, you, we mentioned it earlier about the freak show era at UFC. I used to watch those kind of shows, like Hoist Gracie and those guys. Uh, I went out for a long time once they added all the new rules. Rise and I would watch basically once a year with a friend of mine. I you know the New Year's Eve show because they they always look cool to me. Uh, they reminded me of wrestling in a lot of ways. And sometimes they would ha- even have, like, wrestling bar, Like, yes. uh, Hota, which you would run the ropes and everything. So I would watch those shows, and I did the research on my, my previous appearance on this show. And I saw a lot of the fighters around here and got familiar with them. But in terms of a, a, just a regular show, and, like, the first of many, I have to say, I thought it, it, was, a, I thought it was a good show, to be honest with you. Um... There were a lot of decision finishes and stuff uh, on the MMA side of it, but it didn't bother me because I was I'm kind of watching them with an analytical eye and not so much as a fan eye. Uh, the kickboxing fights I thought were uh, mostly really good. There were a couple that I thought were really exciting too, uh, obviously, and I mostly just was thinking about the whole time, I was just thinking about all my predictions for the show, and that would make me enjoy it more. Uh, because I kept looking smarter and smarter as, as, the, as the night went on. So, I, I honestly, though, I, I did like the show for what it was. Uh, surprisingly, I don't know how much, though, because I know a lot of fans, what I was reading beforehand, a lot of people online were wondering, like, ah, 
why are there so many kickboxing fights on on this card? But to me, I thought they were pretty cool. Like I, I thought they were pretty exciting. I'm glad you like the show, and uh, yeah, I know that a lot of people are not too infused with the kickboxing, with, the, with this main kickboxing matches, I'll say. Um, I initially was at first, but as they went on, I, they were some of the more more entertaining fights. Actually, there, I think some of them were more entertaining than the MMA matches. Um, yeah, personally. the first three matches were all pretty exciting to me. Oh, yeah. Exactly, because they all ended in first round finish. Well, what? first or second round finishes. Christian, what did you think of the of the overall uh, Rising 16 show? Well, considering the fact that I was pretty good to him tired watching the damn show, I felt bored. Oh, oh yeah. And those I inter- mean, I'm just saying, I felt bored because it was just hard for me to stay up and stay active due to all the intermissions and stuff. But oh, I hated that. But the action, especially the first four fights that all ended in a first or second round knockout, those were pretty pleasing. And then, obviously, we've seen Ursin Yamamoto knock out Tim Estrue. Mm-hmm. We've seen Mamoru full swing, get rid of Kata Hyatt, hopefully not for good. And then, it's like in the middle of the show... I mean, actually near the end of the show with the stretch of five straight decisions, I just felt tired out and I barely, barely caught what Tension was trying to say, thanks to the translation of Joe Ferraro, at the end of it. But still, I just, I mean, it was hard for me to try and actually stay active for that card. I get what I get what you do. Mm-hmm. Oh no! I, I was gonna say I'm sorry for interrupting you because that's kind of your thing. But I just wanted to say <laughs> that I'm in basically in agreement. I thought it was I thought it was good overall. But yeah, you know I was watching it live. I don't know, Dylan, were you watching it live or did you were you smart? Yeah. Okay, uh, I was gonna say because if you're if you're smart uh, uh, smart unlike me and decide I'm just gonna watch the next day where I all rested, I wouldn't have blamed you at all. So. But yeah, yes. I, I noticed those those intermissions too, and that's always a problem. Even on the New Year show, like they they always do that. I don't know whose decision that was, or who puts that in oh. these shows. But they need to get I rid get, of that, that. I guess we'll talk about let's talk about the intermissions right now since we're already talking about it. But yes, uh, in, biggest complaints are the intermissions, and th- here's the thing about the intermissions. So basically, they have to sync up their show. To when it airs live on Fuji TV. So what happens is that when all these fights go to like first round or not even first round, they go to finishes. They basically have to to stretch out the intermissions longer. I was in Ryzen 11 and the intermission, I kid you not, was over an hour long. One single intermission was over an hour long because all the fights except for two... Up until the intermission, actually, excuse me, three, were all first round finishes. And wow. just imagine that. They're like, the pacing is great. The pacing is great. These rising shows are paced so well. But these intermissions, and I've seen other people talk about it on Twitter, they, these, inter, these intermissions, just the placement and what they, and what the intermissions, I guess, what they do during them just kills it. It really just kills the energy. And, you know, 
you know, New Japan, smartest thing they ever did, I think, was get rid of their intermissions. Uh, and really, because, like, now their cars just flow so much better. Rather than, oh, after the uh, eight-man LIJ versus Chaos Tag Team match, here's a 30-minute intermission of just the ring and the young boys fixing the ring up. Um, it just, you know, that's the problem is that these intermi- that rises intermissions... Here's, it's like they, they time out their shows, they, they time block their shows thinking that all the matches are going to go three rounds, 15 minutes. And then when it doesn't happen, it's like they, they feel like, oh no, we have to stretch out these intermissions longer. When instead they should be thinking about the matches ending sooner and just adjusting to that. Like here's the thing, like they had some, inter- they had, they interviewed some of the, some fighters for the next card, which we'll talk about later, during uh, the middle of the card. And you know what? That's a great way to just just break up the monotony of having of having an intermission. Co uh, Hiham was there from uh, Road SC, and she talked on the microphone. Um, Saint, sorry, Christian. And there probably might be a chance that she'll face off for the Ryzen Animal Super Animal title at the end of the year. Exactly. Why didn't they have her? Like, they just like they couldn't have her on on camera talking. You know, because here I also timed these intermissions, and the first intermission after the kickboxing matches was 15 minutes. After that was the uh, Kana Hyatt um, intermission, I believe it was, uh, after that fight. And that went about 40 minutes. And then after that, there was the intermission after the Rocky Martinez match. That was 20 minutes. So an hour and 15 minutes was a total amount of intermission time. And that's insane. Um, I and especially you know if you're watching this show live on the East Coast, even on the, on Central, for you two uh, gentlemen, it is uh-huh. it is such it just it's such a buzz killer. It really and also I'm getting I don't need to see tension getting knocked out by Floyd Mayweather every fucking time there's an intermission. It gets <laughs> yeah. It's like here's like repeat some of the fights from earlier or just have some. Even also some alternate bouts or some amateur bouts or a pride. Didn't pride used to have like jujitsu matches during the intermissions? Yeah, they had jujitsu matches. I think martial art exhibitions and stuff like that. The same went for rings. I think back in the day as well. And unfortunately, <laughs> Deep also had like a crappy J-pop group for Deep Dream Impact. I think a couple of years before Ryzen was invented. I would, I would take that. I would absolutely take a, a crappy J-pop band. I would, I would, yeah, just, just something to, just like, I don't need to see highlights from from Ryzen fights that were a year ago, and especially. Yeah, but the point of the matter is, Andrew, you want to keep the fans entertained. You don't want to bore them half to death. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I know that um. During uh, the what the New Japan uh, shows used to do with the intermissions, that they would have the Japanese commentators like talking about the rest of the card coming up uh, in yeah. detail. They could do that. Yeah, I'm sure now they do that with Kevin Kelly, Gino Gambino, and whoever's the third commentator, Chris Charlton, right? I don't think no, yeah, they don't. Yeah, they don't do that though. They, since they don't have intermissions anymore for New Japan shows, they um, they just you know they just go on to the next. There's no intermissions. The show just continues. Yeah. What would you do, Dylan? Well, like, what would, what is your thoughts on these, especially as somebody who's 
kind of semi-new to Ryzen, coming into Ryzen. What would you do about these intermissions, seeing as they're a huge negative uh, for you? Well, first of all, if we did that, what the New Japan commentators did on here, the English commentary here would put me to sleep if I had to listen to them talk for 30 minutes straight. <laughs> no, no offense, they, you know, they're cool and all, but let's just be real, they're not the most exciting or emphatic enough, uh, especially when they're talking during the intermission. Um, I go with the J-pop band, but with the, uh, uh, the caveat that Ryzen has to shout out for somebody that's really famous. Uh, give us a concert in the middle of it. Uh, man, all honestly, you can do a lot like, of different things. You mean like Gact or Puppy Yumi or stuff like that? <laughs> Pretty sure. Bring him on. Hikaru Utada. I want them all there. AKB? AKB? Uh, yeah. Yeah, AKB48. Bring <laughs> them all on. And even bring the, uh, you know, there's different versions of those in a lot of different places too. Bring the Chinese version. On there as well. Uh, I, I want everybody uh, that can come, that you can find and bring in, uh, bring them all into the rising cards. But other than that, uh, you know, you can really do a lot of different things. I feel like, but your idea of having some exhibition matches in line for this, or maybe like you said, some amateur bouts that could at least bridge the gap a little bit. If saying, hey, we plan things out to go this many hours. And there's a three first round knockouts like we saw in the first three or four matches here. They have something on hand that they can put on. Uh, and that's really the most important thing. Well, however you want to do it, it doesn't really matter. But it can't be worse than what we're doing. You know, like you said, seeing the sport. Maybe you could do that for one in intermission, seeing Kenshin get his ass kicked. Uh, you know, but not over and over like they did it here. They just weren't very creative. And like I said, you know, it's it's the length and just this. It's the same yeah. thing over and over. And over and yeah, it's it, it's just such it's a mood killer. It really is. And I understand they gotta sync up the time to Fuji TV. But then you know what? Also, if that's an issue, you gotta just change maybe just change the time of the uh, when the card starts as well. Uh, I mean, yeah. Like for instance, when it came down to this card, Rising Sixteen, it began twenty minutes after midnight Eastern which is 11 p.m. Central Time for myself and Dylan Sky. And I think, I think, is, that, is that 1 p.m., I think, for Japan, I, th I believe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's 1 p.m. in the afternoon. Just come to think of it, you've never seen a rising card start that early. Normally they start at, like, around 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. Eastern. Yeah. No, I'm also thinking about the, the Japan time as well, uh, for when it goes up on uh, Fuji TV. If that's an issue, you know... Just start the cards a little bit later there. You know, well, I'll have to stay up later here, but you know what? If that just means, you know, if it means I can just survive easily more about the intermissions, I'll take that. I honestly will. Um, but yeah, if they got that's something that they got to do, then by all means do it. Or, you know, yeah, just these intermissions suck. I can't, I can't put it any, any other way. Uh, I, I take them showing one of these boring J-dramas or anime you, you told me about earlier. Uh, show me one of those uh, instead of the intermissions on here. I'll, I'll watch Fate Zero uh, on here. Give me that. Oh, yeah. I, I, I would gladly hate watch Fate Zero over just an anime 
The, oh, not on Amber, the, the tension Foy. I think that's, that's the main thing that's, that gets me angry because I keep on seeing that and I see Foy do his stupid little <laughs> dance. So I think that just, I think that angers me even more because that's the one that's, and that's the one that seems to go, that's the highlight that goes on the longest. I, I understand yeah, I why. It's Floyd Mayweather, great, whatever, but I just hate, I hate seeing that. I, I just, uh, I grip my, I'm gritting my teeth right now. Look at the bright side. Yeah, look at the bright side. Tension didn't lose as much money as Anthony Joshua did when he got his ass kicked in boxing. If we're going to go with the boxing map, I'm there. Okay, that's true. That's very, very true. That's very, very true. <laughs> Uh, but um, speaking of of uh, of uh, losing and winning, betting, all that stuff, let's get right to the card, and we're gonna see who won the most the, the most amount of fights between the three of us. And with that, Christian, do you wanna uh, do the introductions? Ah, uh, yes. The Ryzen sixteen card took place last Saturday as. Time of this recording, June 2nd, from the Kobe World Memorial Hall in Kobe, Yogo, Japan. 14 fights in total, 8 MMA, 6 kickboxing, and ironically enough, there were, I mean, it was a mixed bag card. You had 7 finishes, all of which happened mostly in the first or second round, and you had 7 decisions, most of which were unanimous. So, we're going to start the card off with the, pretty much the first four beatdowns. First off, <laughs> in a 152-pound bout, Yuya Shibata knocked out Yuki Strike Tanaka. Two minutes, 45 seconds of round number one. Three knockdown rule from a right jumping knee. I don't have the records in front of me, but still. <laughs> What were your thoughts about, I mean, I don't have the records or post-fight notes of what these guys said in front of me, but what are you, What were your thoughts about this first fight, getting out of the gate with a knockout? I think the, uh, let's see, the, the term of, that, like, the first fight sets the mood for the rest of the show, and this fight certainly did. And, unfortunately, Dylan, you and I both picked Strike to win this match. And you kind of figure it was, the, it was the power of the nickname that got me. Yes, and he didn't live up to his nickname. No, he did <laughs> not. No, he did not. And you think of a nickname? Oh, strike! He's gonna win. Unfortunately, he did not. And in fact, he yeah. he looked got struck down. <laughs> so Christian, yeah. Christian, you were the winner of this match because you did pick Yuya Shibata to win, and. I don't blame you, especially after watching this fight. I started when I was watching this fight. I was like, "Oh shit, I really picked the wrong guy." <laughs> yeah, and one guy looked like he was he was he was energetic. He was he was throwing strong combos. He looked like an expert and strike. Yes, he didn't look that good at all. That's that's the nicest thing I could say. Um, but I will say. That it was an it was a well it was a, it was a it was three knockdowns right this one yeah yeah three knockdown rule was in effect uh huh uh yeah Yuya barely got touched and uh I think it was you know it was a great it was an interesting you know, it was also interesting as well is that 
they didn't have um they didn't have any VTRs for these guys. There was, these were kind of like pre, these these first two matches that they had were kind of prelim matches, which is rise rise. Yeah, because of the fact that they wanted to try and get these bouts out the way so that they can do the opening for the event it, around. It's just funny. Which is midnight central for us. It's interesting though that like Ryzen's never really had pre prelim matches, but this is really the closest thing that they've ever had to uh, regarding prelim matches. Because uh, usually all the all the matches, one of the things I like about Ryzen is that every match feels equal, and I like that. And, um, but this is the first time that if this felt like oh, this is specifically a prelim match. Um, and uh, you know, even with no VTR, you know, you know, yeah, I, I got, you know, I got no problem with Ryzen kind of delving into like, oh, these will just be before the the main main card starts. But uh, do you get? You, oh, you, and, uh, by the way, uh, look at their records. Yuya Shibata upped his record to twenty three, eleven and three. Tanaka saw his record drop to twenty one and eight. Yeah. Oh. Disappointing, Mr. Tanaka. Very disappointing. Um, that last knockdown at the end with the right, uh, the knee, the jumping knee that Shibata had looked great, I thought. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I mean, I got nothing else really much more to say about this fight. Dylan, is there anything you want to say about this uh, kickboxing match? Yeah, that totally dominant performance from Shibata. I thought he had a lot uh, of fancy stuff that he did there. Like I mentioned with the jumping knee was the final. It was like the cherry on top. And how it worked was perfect because he already had the two knockdowns in like two minutes uh, pretty yeah. much. And the third one ended before the third minute. So I thought he was totally one-sided. Not a lot to this fight, but it was fun to watch Shibata at work. I thought he did a great job. It was really strong. Any other thoughts, Christian? Yeah, I got none. <laughs> Now, but let's go ahead and go to the second of our two prelim fights. I can't wait to talk about this fight. I just gotta say that. I'm, I'm good. This was my main event of, of this show after last week's episode. This became my main event. This became my main event. But sorry, Christian. Uh, go ahead. Do the introductions. There was a text message that was sent around the Ryzen broadcast crew of Joe Ferraro. Frank Trigg and his wife, Jill Dexter Trigg, that basically said, Khan Nakamura killed a guy. Oh, wait, no. Wait, uh, Christian, you're, you're skipping You're skipping the most important no. fight. No. I know. I, oh, wait. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Stupid fucking me. What am I trying to say? Oh, yeah. Seiki Uyama defeated Ken before the, before the eventual, you know, Khan Nakamura death camp. No way, actually, death march is what I'm trying to say. Seiki Oyama crushed Kengo like a beer can with a late first round knockout, high kick and punches. I think that finish happened at 2 minutes and 42 seconds of round number 2. This was also done in by the 3 knockdown rule. Oyama knocked Kengo out with straight punches. Seiki Uyama ups his record now to 22-11-1, a modest record. Kingo sees his record drop to 11-10-2. What were your thoughts about this fight, you guys? Dylan, I would like you to take the uh, to take the uh, to step in first with your thoughts. 
first of all, this match uh, was un- unreal to me when I saw Kengo walk out here. And just looking at him, I thought, how much did you get paid for this? As soon as I saw him. That was my first thought of this match. And Yuyama, wait, I mentioned in the first fight, Shibata had all kinds of cool stuff going on, uh, lots of cool kicks and things. This was just a complete and utter straightforward beating that Yuyama laid on Kengo here. And I was thinking about you the whole time, Andrew, about what you were thinking. But to me, it was just very straightforward. Like I said, he rushed him throughout the match. Yuyama completely dominant. And finally, he knocked him down again with the punches. And Kengo will probably not be back <laughs> after this match, unfortunately. So this may be the last time I ever see him. But Andrew, what was your experience while watching our hero on the show? I loved this match so much. I, okay, so first of all, I don't know if anybody was paying attention to the commentary, but they were giving some background on Kengo, and uh, I gotta find the notes, okay. So, apparently they said that Kengo started martial arts at the age of four, and one of the reasons why he fights is that he wants to aspire kids to, uh, to like, I guess, be... To get into sports like martial arts or something like that, and apparently he also had thirty of his students at his, at the show here as well. Because also he was a local guy from uh, Kobe. Wow, he definitely disappointed those kids. <laughs> he is a he is a Kobe guy from um, Hyogo, I think he they, they, they said he was from. Um, Kobe Hyogo. Yeah, so he was the local uh, the local boy taking on the. Uh, Thanks, uh, Yuyama. He was shoot. He was a shoot boxing champion. Um, in 135 pounds, I believe. Uh, shootboxing, I think bantamweight champ. No way, shootboxing lightweight champ. Okay, so yeah, so you know, you had this. You had Yuyama, the, you know, this expert shoot boxer who's obviously good at what he does. But uh, champion, and you know, it, it, you know, he, he has a partial record on tapology, but. I can tell you this, you know, even going by that, you can tell, and you can just look at the picture of him, you can tell this guy's a badass. This guy knows his shit uh, if he goes into a ring. Then you have on the other side, Kengo, who, I'm trying to think, like, what would be the best comparison? The be- uh, apparently, he, they said his record at the time was 11-9. and let's, let's go with that. So, but, like, compared to the way that Yuyama's presence was, Versus Kengo's. Kengo reminded me of. Um, have, you ever, have you ever seen the movie Here Comes a Boom with Kevin James? Yeah. Um, it's like when he first has his first MMA match and he just looks like. He just is like. It's like a fish out of water. It's like. It's like it looks. It's like. It's, it's like. A, yeah, fish out of water. It's like a deer. Not a deer in the headlights, but it just looks like somebody who's walking with their own two left feet. Hmm. Kengo. Basically. Facing off against a guy like Satoshi Ishii. Exactly. Yes, Kengo looks like he has no business in a kickboxing ring. I don't even. I don't even know how he got those eleven wins. Um, but good on him for that. But from what I saw, there's a different level of, of how Yuyama is in the ring versus Kengo. What I'm gonna say is about Kengo. Kengo brought his shit in for this match. If you remember during the near the end, near uh, end of the round, or the, when the round got was was nearing, um, when Yuyama was just being the shit out of him, Kengo just started yeah. throwing, just started throwing. He didn't care if his punches were gonna were connecting or if they were power punches or if he was you know 
if he was even looking, if, if, if he was even looking to make sure, sure that they were connecting. But here's the thing. He was still not going down without a fight. He may have been knocked down twice. But that third knockdown, he was, he was basically going to go out on his sword. Kengo was not a good fighter. He looked bad in this. But I have to give him credit. He absolutely came in and did not bitch out on this fight. Is, is That's the best way I could put it. He looked... Uh, he put on a better fight than uh, than some of the other people on this card did in the MMA matches, I'll say, and we'll talk about that later. But I have to give Kengo credit. And so basically, what you're saying is he took it like a champ and not a job. Exactly, exactly. And you know what? I would have no problem if Kengo comes back for another rising kickboxing match. He's got thirty students. He's got uh, 30 students. You know, maybe, yeah, maybe he sold a few extra tickets for Ryzen now. So next time they come back here, you've got an inside source with Kengo. You know? Exactly. And listen, you know, Uyama, you know, he's going to have his shoot. He's going to be good with shoot boxing and all that stuff. But you know what? I was I was amazed by the heart of Kengo that I'm like, you know what? I don't give a shit if your first name uh, well, made it hard to find any anything on you. And... Because a thousand people in Japan have the name Kengo. You know what? If Ryzen needs a, another kickboxing fight. And uh, they need somebody in his weight division. Or you know what? They need another guy for tension. To uh, to uh, prepare for a, uh, a, a a match in Rise or in Mo in uh, Thailand. Give Kengo a call. I'm sure he'll say yes. That was my dream match. Kengo to replace and move up to the main event versus tension. So that's hopefully what happens next time. Yeah. Yeah, but do you really want a Seth Petras LA situation to happen? <laughs> Can't go upsetting, shocking the world, and ruining Ryzen forever by, by upsetting Petras. Just imagine, <laughs> like, just imagine though that, like, like my big, like with the whole, with Andy Ruiz knocking out Anthony Joshua, I just had this entire, like, this 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 picture in my head. Imagine if all the big boxing champions, uh, uh, or boxing fighters, Fury, Wilder, uh, Triple G, and Canelo, they all lost their matches. And then I'll, while I was watching this match, I was like, imagine if Kengo wins. This would be the upset of the century. It would definitely be the upset of the decade. Ah, it would, it, and I would tell you, I would have no problem with it at all. But actually, going back to the betting or the, our picks, we did all pick Yuyama to win, which is uh, which was the uh, the boot chip bets, and you know you could have maybe gotten you know ten thousand dollars if we put down money for it if we if Kengo did win, but instead we get to keep our money because we picked a safe one. But nonetheless, right. nonetheless, this was a uh, an awesome fight. Nonetheless, I really enjoyed it a lot. I I heard that the odds were. Ten thousand to zero against Kingo. Still better than negatives. Better than negatives. So you know what? Yeah. You know if you get they give Kengo another chance, they can go up a little bit more. <laughs> Still not many takers. Mm -hmm. Right. Anybody else have any thoughts on on this fight? Nope, I don't. I'm okay, good. Please go to the next one because I really want to. Yeah. Yes. Okay, there was an English, no, there was a text message that went around between Jill Dextra Trig, Frank Trig, and 
Joe Ferraro. Showdown Joe Ferraro. During the broadcast that said Khan Nakamura killed a guy. <laughs> the reason why was because the now undefeated 8-0 deep kick champion defeated well-traveled veteran Ito Nakatake. 19-12 and 3. Actually, 19-13 and 3 overall via TKO. Six seconds into round number two. Shin kick, boom, get the fuck out of there. <laughs> but yeah, it did take Ito nine it did take Ito a few minutes to get up off the mat come to and get out the ring. He I'm pretty sure is okay, but still. All I gotta ask is do you think that there's a star in the making in Khan Nakamura? Simple, I have just two words to say to that. Fuck yeah. Dylan? Okay. Dylan, what do you think about Khan Nakamura? Man, that kick was awesome. And I will give Ito this. At least he made it to the second round, which was the first uh, on this show. He only lasted a few seconds in the second round. But still, he held his own for five minutes. That's uh, good. Uh, or three minutes, rather. Uh, so that's good. Uh, Nakamura, man, that, that high kick was just incredible. Uh, I, I thought at the end. So, uh, shout out to him. They can play that. And listen, if they have a more intermission, they need to play that highlight over and over. Not just Floyd Mayweather crap. Play on that for a high kick. I could watch that all day. But uh, well, we can't kill the lead. Play the whole. It would be better if they play the whole highlight over. If they play the whole fight over, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, sure, sure. Three minutes fight. Yeah, go for it. But we can't kill the lead here. We gotta talk about uh, Nakamura's antics during the match. You know, just keeping his hands down, kind of dancing, doing the, you know, uh, Mortal Kombat, come over here uh, thing. Um, try, in between the rounds. I would say that they're more along the lines of Michael Venom Page, the now previously undefeated Michael Venom Page. Exactly, yeah. You know, during when the first round ended, he was like cheerleading the crowd, trying to get him to, uh, to cheer, uh, to get him get on their feet. Uh, after he won, after he knocked out uh, uh, Ito, don't know if anybody caught it, but he was doing the Conor McGregor walk. Oh, yeah. He was definitely doing the shmoney dance, the Vince McMahon strut. <laughs> yes. This guy is a star. And well, I'm gonna, what, what, what weight class was that? Was, was this at again, Christian? Uh, let me check. Let me check. Oh, by the way, it's just... 132, right? I think it was Bamboo. Oh, yes. Kilos, one hundred and thirty-two pounds. Yeah, they also said uh, they also said that Ito was a um, he was uh, the Rise featherweight champion or was I think no I don't think he's a Rise featherweight champion now I think he previously held it because um doesn't doesn't Tension have the Rise featherweight title now? Yes, he does. Okay, so yeah, so this Ito uh, previous champion of uh, Rise kickboxing so Nakamura basically knocked out a former champion of one of the top kickboxing organizations in Japan. Um, and I think that a match between Kan Nakamura and Tenshin Asakawa must happen at some point. Yeah, but in the case of Kan Nakamura, he would need to build up a few more wins on his resume. He might need to. I'll tell you this, though. For a guy that apparently has... What, what is his record now? So now 8-0, I think? 
Eight and zero, eight straight knockouts. Eight straight knockouts, eight and zero. He is he he moves around like a guy who's fought fought for twenty fights, and I was just so impressed by his demeanor that like, you know what? I don't even know if he even needs a few more matches. I I think he's money enough right now with his attitude and his just his overall presence that you can maybe. Do a, you know, at a Saitama, him versus uh, uh, tension. I don't know if Ryzen would want to do it, but I think this. I think that Kam Nakamura is a guy to look out after. I think they can build him up a little bit more uh, and uh, bring him up to that level to where he can be a real star. I think over tension because uh, I think it would be a good fight now. But give him a few more wins to pad that resume a little bit. Uh, build him up. Maybe now you could put him. In a higher on the higher spot on the card than third from the bottom, uh, you can put him up in the you know uh, near the main event somehow, not a semi-main, you know, four or five matches from the top instead of four or five matches from the bottom. Uh, then we can get attention later on. Um, okay, yeah, I got no problem with that. You know, also you know, get him a little bit more kickboxing matches, have him fight on a rise show, um, yeah. or um, oh, what's the other one? Uh, what's the one that um um. I'm, oh shit! I forget. Deep kick, uh, uh, or K1 or K1 crush. You know, yeah. Put him, get him, just get him on something that like he get a few more fights. Um, that that because that also that knockout. Oof, that was a beautiful knockout. And actually, a lot of people picked this as like their favorite finish from the uh, show. Uh, when I was when I put it out on Twitter, people were really liked uh, the way that Nakamura just finished him with that with that kick and the way it also the way that he just fell down he kind of just like slumped in the middle uh, right right on that on the um on the on the uh turnbuckle pad kind of just like he was like oh I'm gonna go to sleep now and just like it was like it was like picture perfect it was a picture perfect knockout I'm pretty sure they had reason to because of the fact that you said it was a picture perfect knockout um, actually, I also wanted to ask, since you brought up Joe Ferraro and, uh, Frank Trigg, Dylan, what did you think of the English commentary for the show? I think they're technically sound. Uh, you know, Frank Trigg, I've been listening to for a while now, uh, and heard a lot of his commentary, but still, uh, to me, I always think that they're kind of, um, how should I put this, uh, not as exciting as some other commentators out there. But in terms of calling the action and on a technical level, I really appreciated what they brought to the table. I thought they did a good job. I just wish they'd bring a little bit more excitement. It felt like they were getting tired, too, while watching this that time, and not, not just me. The Christian, what did you think of uh, Joe Ferraro and Frank Trick for this show? Um, how do you think they did? I thought they did all right, but I do think that they need to kind of amp it up a little more. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to say be over the top charismatic like some commentators are here in the states, but actually be more invested. Be more. I'm not trying to say be more interactive, but be more. Be more booming is what I'm trying to say. Basically, be more booming. Well, here's the thing. Well, do you think that because you know these first few matches, you know, they don't have the most well-known people. Uh, and even when we were going over the show initially, you know, we we didn't have that much information on, on these on these kickboxers uh, as well. Do you think that also that has something to do with it? That just did you know, as opposed to like tension or 
somebody else on the uh, as a car gets further on. It's just the they're not familiar with them, so therefore it's kind of like their enthusiasm is not as there as opposed to you know the more well known fighters. Yeah, I think it probably is. I mean, I think it probably isn't because of the fact that Joe might have had to do a little too much research to figure out who was who. I'll but say this though. I'll say this. At least they don't get the uh, they don't confuse the fighters or say that they're from China when they're from Japan. Right. <laughs> that's a whole other story. Yeah. Right there, but, but, but that would have been an honest mistake that somebody would have easily capitalized on. Yes, that, that's for sure. But even the last three fights, I didn't think they were that uh, energetic. Even for somebody like Yamamoto and Asakura, which had very, you know, you can clearly tell who was who and. Well, you know, Asakura is a known commodity of Bison. I still didn't feel like they were that into it, <laughs> to be honest with you. Outside of it. Like I said, they called everything that happened really well, I thought. Uh, and just, they just weren't as enthusiastic as I think. And like you said, Christian, uh, if they pumped it up a little bit more, I think I'd really like them. Uh, both of them. Uh, if you ever had time zone, I'll say this. If you ever go, you should have listened to the old Ryzen shows that had, um, what was it? it uh, who was it? It was, uh, uh, Don Cordero, no, it actually, Drew Cordero, Don Purdy. Oh, no, I was going to say Joe Warren. Because if you want to hear the absolute worst in MMA commentary, listening to Bellator fighter Joe Warren basically call Crow Cop a pedophile is maybe the peak oh. worst that you can absolutely hear in MMA commentary. Or just listening to Drew Cordero basically do the most obscene commentary on the show. Oh yeah. Oh yes, that too. That too. Um, but I will. I'll, I'll just leave it at this. I think we're all. We all did pick Nakamura to win. Um, so, but we can all definitely agree that Nakamura is somebody that that Ryzen should at least keep a close eye on when it comes to having a, like a somebody as a kickboxing fighter who they can have besides attention to be almost a regular or a semi-regular for them? Would we all agree on that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there, uh, do you, anything else you want to say about this fight, guys? Or shall we move no. on? We can go ahead and move on now. Great. And of course, the third of our four consecutive knockouts to kick off the card, if I get to the damn result, the third of four consecutive knockouts to kick off Horizon 16 card, and let's see, I'm sorry y'all, this damn computer is basically more slower than I am, <laughs> but, but still. Point of the matter is the third consecutive knock. Uh, no, wait, actually, no. The fourth of these four consecutive knockouts that kicked off the Ryzen 16 card was Takaki Soya, who was the 2013 Shooter Rookie of the Year and fought his first professional MMA bout since May 12, 2017, knocking out Namiki Kawahara via flush punch, soccer kick to the body made Namiki, who came out to KRS-One, step into a world, yeah. <laughs> feel like a damn b-boy. <laughs> Soya now improves to 10-4-1, Namiki 5-6-2 overall. In his post-fight speech, 
Sawyer thanked both the Ryzen and Shudo fans for helping him overcome the last two years of off time. He also said, if you work hard and believe in yourself, you can overcome any situation. Amen. And to close out his speech, Sawyer said he wants to face high Asakura next. So on my MMA opinion post about this, in my writer's note, I said, after that finish, give him whatever the fuck he wants as long as he stays active. <laughs> but still, first of all, what were your thoughts about Maniki Kawahara's entrance? Was it a little too b-boyish? And second, do you think that Takaki Sawyer, despite the two-year absence, probably felt like he hasn't lost a step? Well, as some, as I did pick uh, Kawahara uh, to uh, to win this match, and unfortunately, um, I lost. Uh, I think you also you you I picked him. Too. Yes, you too as Christian as well. I would like to say that coming out to uh, KRS, you know, very creative entrance, very creative entrance. He looks like somebody who would listen to KRS. Um, he just he has that look of that that's very skeevy look, and you know it's so funny. You know, it's I was wondering which what hair he would come out with. He his he looks his hair is very very. I don't know how to put it. Like, he, let me just put it. Yeah, he looks like somebody who would definitely listen to KRS um, at any given point of the day. Um, right. Uh, so you know, I'll, I'll guess say at least you know I had no problem with that music choice. Um, there have been some some pretty bad music choices in Ryzen, but that was definitely not one of the bad ones. I'll say that. Um, yeah. I I do have to give uh, Dylan though. You did were the lone wolf in this. You picked Soya to win, and I want to just get your thoughts on what did you think of this fight and the finish? Well, first of all, this should be a lesson to never doubt Shuto, and that is why I was riding with Soya here, even after the absence, so I was happy he won and represented. Love the entrance from Kawahara. Kawahara. Uh, I'm a huge fan of KRS-1 uh, and like the whole BDP crew, pretty much. Uh, the Bridge is Over is like one of my favorite hip-hop songs. Uh, and one of the best uh, in diss tracks as well. But this was a good one too. I love what he brought to the table with the entrance. And I thought this was a, a good fight. Definitely the best of the four uh, when it came to both of these guys. I thought they both fought hard. And Kawahara, because this was a catchweight fight, he was the smaller man going up against Soya. Oh. Uh, and totally, yeah, yeah, that, yeah definitely. Oof. It was clear. But I felt like he was actually turning the tide in his favor. Uh, before the the right hand that Soya decked him with, pretty much. This was a great knockout, too, to be honest with you. And even though it wasn't as spectacular or flashy as Nakamura's, uh, like I said, I thought Kawahara was starting to take it to him. Soya came back with the right hand, and he just not, uh, got dropped with it. So I, I thought this was a, a very solid and good fight uh, to start off the MMA section of the show. I also think that, you know, you just got to also, anytime there's a soccer kick in a match, and uh, like yeah. one that connects, I'll say, because he was already down on the ground. I think he was already knocked out, and then he just yeah. got an, an extra soccer kick um, yeah, before was, yeah. before the referee could could literally like had to like I don't know if the if he was if the referee knows that he was knocked out, but oh boy, that was more like the referee's fault. Yes, to me because he didn't stop it right away. Uh, like I know a lot of people thought this was dirty, and you can make that argument, but to me the referee should have stepped in sooner uh, more than anything because if you don't call it. And, you know, I can see where he's coming from, why he would throw an extra one. Even though, to me, he was knocked out. When he got that right hand, uh, that was it for him. But the soccer kick, like like you said, I 
thought that was more the referee's fault. Well, you know, that's the thing is that there have been cases in MMA. Um, I'm trying to remember which case. The, um, I know there was one fight with Rusimur Paul Harris where he thought he knocked out a guy. And then he, he, he preemptively celebrated by jumping on the cage. But the referee had to tell him, no, 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 I didn't stop the fight. He was knocked down, but I, didn't, I did not rule it a knockout. Do you remember that fight, Christian? It was in UFC, I believe. Um, Rusimur Paul Harris. Uh, yeah. Basically, it was Jose Marto Kinho Paul Harris basically being an asshole. But I think he was just stupid. I think he just didn't realize that the, he thought he had knocked out the guy and then started celebrating, and then the, the referee uh, had to like, remind him, no, 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 I, I did not rule that as a knockout. Uh, I mean, you do have the the infamous Mark Hunt walk walk away uh, knockouts, but you can just you just know when Mark Hunt knocks out somebody that they're not getting up. There's, they're 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 sleeping for a few minutes. You know, I'm gonna guess that you know it was probably you know I don't I don't hold any I don't think what Soya did was dirty at all. You know, he had the he had to wait until that referee said okay, no more fighting, no more fighting. What are you gonna do? You know, he's gonna, he, he can either risk the uh, the fight, still go, you know, you, know the, he, you could recover from a knockout. You can if you are not quick enough. And there's that risk, uh, which Soya could have done if he didn't, uh, if he didn't uh, deliver that last soccer kick. Or, you know what, you just deliver that soccer kick and, you know, hopefully the referee steps in. It sucks for your opponent, I know, but that's one, that's, that, that's a trade-off. Of MMA, I, I did not. I had no problem with with what Soya did at all. Uh, but yes, Soya was a bigger man. He looked thick as fuck. Like this guy is like is is like just like he's like a he's like a chiseled statue. Um, did I think they also said did they say why he had the layoff? Didn't he? They he had like some sort of like what was it? It was like a like a sickness or something. Probably of injury, and maybe it was because of the fact that he was feeling a little down, a little depressed or something. Wow. I thought they mentioned on on commentary why he uh why he had that um um what you call the uh, the layoff um but I may have missed it, but yeah, it's um you know I originally thought that you know. You usually think a layoff. Nobody's getting, you know, layoffs are, are a very hard thing to come back from. There are some fighters who do great. Dominic Cruz after his million year layoff. Um, Tito Ortiz, for instance, even though we try not talking about him. Exactly. And then you have, I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, GSP had his and then went, went up a late class, actually. And um, But then there's other fighters. Even, and, and, uh, damn, what am I trying to say? He became an even bigger star than he was when he left. Exactly. Uh, but also, uh, you know, then you have uh, Beth uh, Kohea, who just recently had her first fight from her layoff, and she uh, not only missed weight, but also got knocked out in that match. That was embarrassing. So, you know, it's... I think, you know, I think it... The whole layoff thing, I don't know. It's it's, it's very hard to really, like, pinpoint... I, I always think that it's it's hard to come back when you've had a layoff. Uh, especially for how long was it? Two years, they said. Yeah, over two years. Two years and one month. But uh, he didn't look like he took a day off. I'll say that. Um. And uh, well, the big question is, I'll I'll, I'll pose the question to you first, Dylan. Uh, yeah. do you 
you would you do you look at possibly having uh, to, Takagi Soya versus Kaizakura as a future matchup? Yeah, I, I think that would be totally fine. Uh, my man Christian here, just like you said, give him whatever the fuck he wants after that knockout. Uh, I would say, you know, I got to shout him out on that one. But I, I agree with you, man. I, I definitely think that they should give it to him. I think that would be a good fight for both men as well. Um, also, I just like to say as well. I, it seems like in these uh, sh- uh, shuto, uh, w- whenever they have these, they'll have like a fighter from shuto versus pancreas or deep. Shuto seems to be winning these matches um, most of the time. Um, That's because when it comes down to shuto, they've been around since '88. Mm-hmm. They want to try. Well, actually, no. They've been around further than some 1988. I think they've been around since like '84, '85 but didn't get established into an actual promotion until 88. Still, when it comes down to these Shudo guys, especially in Ryzen, they know how to bring the impact. They know how to bring, you know, that type of buzz that you want in an MMA promotion. And considering the fact that you got a guy like Kyoji Horiguchi, the current Bantamweight champion who fought in Shudo before, you're going to have something to prove. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, Shudo, you know, and these, um, I guess, um, cross-promotional MMA, JMMA fights, Shudo is, is, is getting the upper hand against uh, Deep and Pancras. Um, so yeah, because uh, uh, Kamehara was a, is a fighter for Deep and did fight in Pancras for, for some time as well. So, uh, and, uh, so yeah, well, Shudo, as, as said. So, uh, but yeah. Uh, ask you a question though. What do you do with Kawahara? Do you bring him back, or do you send him back to deep and you know tell him to uh, stay on the deep end, so to speak? I think he can probably stay in deep because now his record is a little under five hundred. His record is five, six, and two now. So I think that a spell for him in deep would probably help him more than hurt. Five, uh, five, six, and two. I, I have his record as five and three and two, on topology. Five, what and two? For Kalehara. What's his record? What did you have it down as? Five, three, and two. Oh well, damn! I was looking at topology and it said five, five. I mean, it originally said five, five, and two until the fight result, which is now five, six, and two. Oh, my my, my thing here says five, three, and two, for Kalehara. Oh. Okay, we're not going to have no who's on first, who's on third type of situation. <laughs> but let's just agree to disagree that, you know, Namiki Kawahara will probably do better with a rehab stint in deep. I think so. But yeah, definitely bring Soya back. Uh, for mm-hmm. this, for, the, for uh, against Kai Zakura. Um, I'm just trying... Would you do that? I'm guessing you probably do that fight at probably 135, or or, or uh, maybe probably a catch weights like 136, 137. And in that, yeah, 135 would probably do uh, oh hell of a lot better. Um, Especially the fact that you got Mikuru already fighting at 145. But but in, this, in that fight, Soya would probably be the smaller guy in that case. So it'll probably it'll it'll be a switch off from him being the bigger guy in this fight to Soya being the uh, smaller guy in that fight. But yeah, I think one thing for for Kawahara, 
I thought he actually did pretty solid in this fight before the knockout. Uh, the problem is, uh, just like I kind of mentioned earlier, he to me is like a natural flyweight. Yeah. Looking, he was fighting way above his uh, gun here. So whoever he fights next, whether it's in Ryzen or Deep, uh, I hope he fights someone closer to his own weight. Because... Yeah, he, he fight. He fights normally at 115 pounds, and he's a tall. He's actually a tall guy. He's five foot seven. So that's pretty tall for that um for that weight class. Uh, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Uh, let's get yeah. He was. Yeah, he was weight. This was. This, he was probably at his walk around weight. May even have to put on some more weight for this match as well, to um, yeah. to make weight for this match. But uh, yeah, great knockout. That's all I gotta say. So I'm really, you know, really impressed, especially after a two year layoff. Mm-hmm. Now let's go ahead and go to the next bout, and that was Rise. 61 kilograms star. Rise, 135 pound star. Hiroto Yamaguchi. No, wait. What am I saying? Rise, 135 pound star. Kaiju Shiratori defeating Hiroto Yamaguchi via unanimous decision. Now, prior to this bout, Yamaguchi basically said all he had to say. I think in the press release, he basically said. That Taito Shiratori was a pretty boy, he fights for team tension, and he's a shoot boxer. I hate all three things about him. <laughs> Do you think that Hiroto got what he deserved, and how often do you think we'll see of Shiratori because of the fact that he, like Tension Asakawa, is in this Rise World Series team? Mm. Uh, he also... oh, the, by the way, by the way, the records... Taiju Shiratori is now 15-5-1. And Hiroto is now 23-15. and 15, I mean, 23-16. and 16. Uh, I like to say that Shiratori is, is like a taller, more pretty boy version of Tension. If you really look at them, they, they kind of... They, they kind of... I don't want to say they fight the same. They, they kind of... They don't. Uh, but you can definitely tell that he... That he's a ten, he's a team Teppin guy, uh, from the way that he that he fights a lot. Um, Not to mention, I forgot to reiterate myself. Hiroto basically hated him because he's a former boxer. He's a friend of Tenshin Asakawa, and he's a shoot boxer. Oh yeah, that's the thing as well. He's a boxer turned kickboxer. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing about uh, about Shiratori is that he is tall. He's a very tall, long, lanky guy, and he knows how to use that to his advantage. Um, this was a fun fight yep. because it was fun trying to see uh, Yamaguchi try to like try to like box with a guy who was way above his league, but Shiratori was just totally shutting him down uh, during this uh, this match. I, th- I think Yamaguchi uh, got one of his eyes split open. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember which one I was, but um, um, actually, yeah, even in the second round, um, Chiratori tried for a tension wizard kick, I like to call it, but um, uh, Yamaguchi was smart enough to block it. Um, I like the third round in this a lot because Yamaguchi knew that he was losing, and he's like, okay, fuck it, I'm just gonna, I'm just, I'm just gonna throw shit and see, and hopefully it connects. And that's what he basically did. 
And I like that he did that. Because there's a lot of fighters who, when they lose, or they feel like they're losing, they kind of just, they don't, they don't do anything. They just kind of like stick to the game plan and just, they, they, don't, they don't take risks. I like the fact that he at least took a risk in the third round, hoping that maybe he'll get a flash knockout. Maybe he could potentially win it in points or maybe get a split decision. Obviously, that's not what happened. Uh, but, you know, I will say that Yamaguchi in the third round, I at least admired him for what he did. But Shiratori, you know, like I said, he's he's maybe, he's he boxes and is, is like a taller tension. But I like the fight overall. I'll say that. Um, uh, Dylan, any thoughts on this fight? Yeah, what I said in the preview about Yamaguchi is that he really is uh, an all-heart and action fighter. So it wasn't surprising that he took that fight into the third round because on technique, like you said, Shiratori was clearly above him. Yeah. Uh, and I mentioned the fight I saw uh, him earlier on against Hideki uh, about April. Uh, he had had that same approach where he would just throw wildly, more so than being a, a good technical fighter. I think we saw that in the third round, like you mentioned, when he was kind of down on points the first two rounds clearly with the Shiratori. So, uh, yeah, I liked the third round a lot, too. I thought they brought what I expected out of them. And it did go the full distance. There wasn't a knockout here. So I thought both men uh, looked pretty strong. And if you need somebody for a, kind of a tune-up role, I think Yamaguchi could be a good opponent for certain people in the kickboxing side of things. I, I got no problem with that. Um, what do you think of this fight, uh, Christian? Oh, I thought it was a pretty fun affair for it being a three-round war. I agree, yeah. I mean, I mean, because if you think about it, Shiratori tried his best to put this guy away, but Yamaguchi obviously had a lot of heart, a lot of courage, a lot of bravado, so to speak, to back up his words saying how much he hates the things about Shiratori and actually put that to action. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, but you know the thought. The thing is that with you could clearly see the skill difference. Uh, yeah. the just, just like Shiratori was just on a different level. Just the way that he uses reach, using those teep kicks, just keeping Yamaguchi at bay, so that like he really couldn't get in until that third round, where it became no technique for Yamaguchi. Just became I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw everything. Maybe something will stick. Um, uh, plan. Um, Basically, caution to the wind. Caution to the wind, yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you know, but here's the thing, though. Um, Shiratori, I think he's fight... I'm trying to remember who, he's fight, he, who his next opponent at Rise is in the, the semifinals. I think it's Runkit. I think this is a, that's the name. Runkit uh, from Thailand. Uh, um, yeah, I think it's Roomkit. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that name correctly, but, uh, if I was Roomkit, I would absolutely watch that fight, and then I can realize, okay, um, this is where Shiratori has some disadvantages. Uh, particularly if, you know, Shiratori being a technical guy, you know, a lot of people who are technical don't really do well, uh, when people... I guess get wild in fights. Uh, I, I, it's like you know, people. It's when you, when you, te people that are technical, they have a game plan. They usually stick to it. But if you th if you fight in a way that that game plan 
cannot work or is hard to work against, that will throw them off their game. So for his next opponent in Rise, I hope they watch video of that because in that third round, you can definitely see if you do that for all three rounds, you can knock Shiratori out or even maybe, you know, just win win by decision just to overwhelm him the way that uh, Yamaguchi did. Because I would, I would say I would give that, that, that last round to Yamaguchi. I really would. I did too. I gave the last round to Yamaguchi. Um, I actually, I think I have the, uh, the, uh, what the, the judges said. It was unanimous decision, 30-28, uh, 30-28, uh, 30-28, 29-28. Um, I would have given it, uh, 29-28 to, uh, Yamaguchi, at least, you know, that would have been a split decision. Uh, so would, you would, uh, Dylan, but, um, yeah, definitely, if, uh, next opponent rise, I hope you're watching that video, uh, uh, run kit, because if you don't, you're gonna miss out on how to on some really uh, on some pretty um, important thing important methods on how to maybe defeat uh, Shiratori. But yeah, no, even this went to a decision. I thought it was a gr I thought it was a fun fight. Really, just seeing this just the technical Shiratori, you know, basically outbesting Yamaguchi, and then Yamaguchi just trying to like just like think of like okay, what. Just gonna go in there. Just gonna just just gonna just gonna go out on my sword type thing. Um, yeah, I, I told you last week that was my prediction for this fight. Yamaguchi, yeah. he's had an action fight in the in the past. You gotta, I think he's somebody that could be good against in this role, and I think he did a good job here. I thought it was a good fight, like you said, and it did go all three rounds. So I credit both to both Shiratori and Yamaguchi. Yeah, you did say you would bring Yamaguchi back to Ryzen, I think, Dylan, right? Yeah, I think he'd be good in a tune-up role, uh, or, or really anyone, if they want somebody like this, if you want to get somebody a win, Yamaguchi can test them and uh, put on a fun fight at the same time, because that's just who he is, really. He's an action fighter at his core. Uh, just to let everybody know as well, this is Yamaguchi's second kickboxing match in Ryzen, and he is currently at an 0-2 record uh, in Ryzen. Uh, so, um, but Shiratori... Um, would you uh would you bring back Shiratori as well? Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, oh, he'll be back. He, he's got potential connections, but uh, yeah, I thought he looked pretty good in his own way uh, outside the third round. Where Yamaguchi, if you could step to him, like you said, uh, to be Shiratori so physically opposing as well, that uh, if you do step to him, I think that can catch him off guard and throw him through a loop a little bit. But still, I think he'll definitely be back. Uh, actually, also just to add as well, Shiratori is two and zero in Ryzen because he had. Um, he had his first match against, uh, um, Usa Strong. Um, remember that fight, Christian? Yoshia Usatsuyo. Yeah, I remember him. Oof, yeah, that was a beautiful knockout. But, uh, yeah, good fight overall this was. Um, shall we go on to the, to the murder, uh, that happened in the next fight? Uh, yes. And even though, <laughs> even though Mr. You can't handle the truth, Timothy Estrue had the whole hopes of Michigan MMA on his back. Him coming out to Slipknot Cycle Social was probably the highlight of his night. But still, Ursin Yamamoto just had Ursin Yamamoto just had a nice little present for him in the form of a knee to the gut and a booming elbow to his dome. Two minutes, four seconds. TKO, a done data, done deal. 
Erson Yamamoto defeated Mr. You Can't Erson Batman Yamamoto, might I add, now improving his record to three and four. Defeated the four and true the four and two highly favored in this fight until that happened. Mr. You Can't Handle the Truth, Timothy S. Truth. In the little bit of time that was Erson's post fight speech, he said that despite the finish, he's in he's still in no room to talk shit. Let's be honest. He's three and four overall. After saying hello to his newfound baby I mean to his newborn baby girl who was I think four months old at this point. I mean he had the girl back I mean his wife, his girlfriend had the baby back in February. He passed off the mic to his sensei, you know, friend of the Yamamoto family, former UFC and PXC fighter, Super Saiyan John Tuck, who also wants to fight in Rising down the line. Keep in mind, John Tuck is still under a UFC contract, so I don't know if they cut him loose after him having a bad record or anything, or if he's basically you know, free to do however he pleases because now the UFC has let him know, hey, your services are no longer needed. You're pretty much done here. Go seek out somewhere. I mean, go seek out your fighting career somewhere else. So I have to ask three things about this fight. One, do you think that the um, do you think that Ursin Yamamoto is improving? Two, is this the last that we've seen of Timothy Estruth? And three, is John Tuck ever gonna fight in Ryzen? Uh, I'll 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 um pass that to you, Dylan. Uh, since you're the guest, uh, what do you think yeah. about? Uh, yeah, uh, give your thoughts on all those uh, questions. Yeah. So uh, first of all, uh, I have to say when I wrestled, I, t- I my tag team was with a guy who used psychosocial as his theme. So uh, I, was, I was very uh, impressed by Timothy S. Truth coming out to that as well. It, it brought back those memories. Um, in terms of Urson, when I watched him before, I studied a lot of his fights uh, before the last show, and I really wasn't impressed, I won't lie to you here. Uh, in this fight, though, he really dominated. Uh, there wasn't really much to this at all, but like you said, the right elbow was what did it. Uh, dominant win for Yamamoto here. Improving, it just depends on what we've seen uh, of S-Truth, because I don't think S-Truth is really on the radar to be brought back to Ryzen, per se. But he'll have some time in some lower leagues in America to build himself up. I can see him, you know, if he gets a few wins under his belt, because he's still just starting out too. Uh, like neither of these two have ten fights really. So, but yeah, for the immediate future, I don't see. I don't see it. Yeah. If you think about it, Dylan, S Troop is near. S Troop is nearing forty at this point. Yeah, yeah. I don't see him getting brought back anytime soon. Uh, you know, more or less. Um, Yamamoto, I don't. I think it's hard to tell. I want to see him against a higher caliber fighter, uh, really, when he comes here. Uh, probably a native fighter as well for Ryzen. Uh, so we'll just have to see. Uh, in terms of uh, John Tuck, uh, it's just kind of good. That's, that whole situation seems kind of shady to me, uh, really, with UFC contract. He, and he's still under contract now, but you never know. Maybe he just wanted to say something for the crowd. That that's uh I can't really answer that one. But Yamamoto, I give a question mark. S truth no uh right now for Ryzen and another question mark for uh John Tuck. Um Yamamoto I'm leaning towards yes because he was very impressive in this fight. Mm. If I had to pick 
So uh, for Tim Estruf, um I initially when I when I interviewed him, he told me that this was his one fight on his um, on a rising thing, and that you know if he wins, you know he could probably stretch it out. Honestly, I don't know if he'll get another fight on Ryzen, to tell you the truth. Um, I don't know if he should come back, um, to tell you the truth, at this point. Um, you know, someone, uh, Dylan mentioned, uh, his age, or, 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 one of you mentioned his age, um. Yeah, Christian did, yeah. Oh, Christian, Christian mentioned his age. He's nearing 40, um, but... In all, he's got. He's now at his record of four and two. Uh, Ryzen is probably the is right now the biggest fight of his like most noble fight of his career. Honestly, um, hmm. I don't know. Maybe you could bring him back at a, at a later point. Um, maybe if there's a, a bantamweight tournament or a flyweight tournament, maybe you could bring him back as like an op- I don't know as an alternate bout maybe. I don't know though. It's just unfortunately the fight was so short, and I didn't see anything that made me go. I want to see Tim Estruf back in a rising ring at this point or in the near future. Um, and Erson's been unimpressive in his other fights. So, like I said, I, I feel like we need to see something more from him. Exactly. Say, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? This was Erson's real first notable win as an that I've seen as an MMA fighter. And it was, it was definitely, it was an, imp- it, it was fuck the hellbow was incredibly impressive. But also, you know, he's, he's lost against other fighters that are much more highly skilled than him. So, I mean, like. Guys like Nozoyuki Miata, for instance. Miata, uh, Crone Gracie, um, I think he also fought Tokoro, I believe as well. Yeah, he fought Hideo Tokoro as well. Uh, so when you put, uh, so. If Erson's only become a guy who can only win against Tim Estrus, but he can't, he but he loses against guy like Kai Zakuras or just higher skill fighters, yeah, you're kind of caught in a dilemma because then what do you do? You can't, you can't. I don't think you can continuously book someone just to to have fights of people that are from that are from the local regional circuit. You know, forever, especially if they're Yamamoto as well. Nobody wants to see a Yamamoto get get easy wins. Um, regarding John Tuck, so I had to double when he gave that interview when he said that. Oh yes, I like the fight Ryzen. I had to look up if he was st- when his last UFC fight was, and his last UFC fight was I think was it 2017 or 2018? I think it was. Um, let me double check on that. It was 2018 in August, so almost an entire year ago. And that was a loss, by the way, as well. Um, so, are we sure he's still under a USC contract? Because st- they still don't... Sometimes people are released without without it being public. Uh, sometimes the fighters even just put it out. Do we 100% know that he's still at the UFC, Christian? Um, trying to check... But, I mean, I would guess. Uh, I would guess on the surface, it looks like that he would be, because I mean, he is a he is a pretty well known name. You, you figure that if he would get um, if he got released, he would at least uh, it would there would at least be some sort of um, no uh, news about it. But if he's just 
if he, I don't know, it's, I wouldn't mind seeing him in the, um, in a, uh, Ryzen ring, um, in lightweight, by the way, uh, which is, would be just stack up to their vision just even more, um, I mean, yeah, because of the fact that it would be a little less stacked than the UFC, which is through the fucking roof right now, but still. Uh, um, I guess, um, you could, uh, I would have no problem with uh, John Tuck coming to Ryzen. Um, you know, hopefully he didn't do any breach of contract thing, if he is with the UFC, by saying that. Um, hopefully we don't hear about him getting sued or getting fined or some shit like that. Um, with Ursan though, I gotta say, what do you do with him next? Um, what do you think, uh, Dylan? What do you, what do you do with, uh, with Ursan after his real, his first big win? See, here, and like I said, Ursan again, uh, I feel like he, we still don't know enough about him to put him in with anyone notable, uh, in my opinion. So, you have to look at their roster here, and I would have another mid-level fight against somebody, but somebody of higher caliber than Estru. Uh, I would say I just I just that's really the main thing I want to see somebody that can test him a little bit more uh, Possibly somebody that's not a big uh, Up-and-comer, but somebody who's been around the block for a little while that, that can push him a little bit more um, I know we'll be talking about him a little bit later. What do you about uh, what do you think about uh, full swing? Um, as a potential hmm. opponent Oh man full swing would be a heavy favorite <laughs> to, to, to me, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I said, you tried to get Yamamoto killed, a Andrew, yeah. on here. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Yusuke Nakamura. Yeah, he was on this card. Yeah, do you think would he be? Uh, you know, we'll talk about yeah. him l later. But uh, I don't know. Maybe he he would be. At least somewhat of a of a level where he can, if Arasan yeah. were to beat him, it'd be like, oh, okay, it's still a notable win, just not over. Yeah, totally. Um, any thoughts on this fight, Christian, or uh, to any of the uh, questions that you posed? Well, I'm gonna go ahead and pose. I mean, I'm gonna go ahead and talk about, you know, the three things that we just mentioned. First of all. Timothy F. Troop said in my interview with him that he was going to shock us. Well, he didn't really do any of that. Mm -hmm. And he got his ass handed to him for it. So I think it would be best for him to just, you know, go back to the regional scene in Michigan. Go take up another fight for Warrior Extreme Cage Fighting. I know they're doing well on Wednesday nights on the fight pass. And maybe it would be best for him just to improve from there. Maybe think about, you know, trying to get back into Ryzen or maybe getting a UFC contract through taking up some fights in Warrior Extreme, I mean, Warrior Extreme Cage fighting instead of just, you know, trying to prove us wrong when you know you don't really have the firepower to do so. That's no disrespect to him. Second of all, I think that Urson is improving, mm -hmm. but I think he needs, like, this ain't, this wasn't his signature win, but it was his best win that he had so far in yeah. his career, because it was, 
his first win against an over 500 opponent. But I do think that he needs like one more signature win, maybe two more, in order to boost himself up. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, I would think that Yamamoto would probably need, I don't know, maybe to take one more fight in King of the Cage or maybe prove himself on one of the end of the year rising cards just to show himself. And as far as John Tuck goes, the dude is four and five inside the octagon. I mean, I highly doubt if the UFC wants to keep him around considering the fact that his last fight was in August and, I mean, on a low-level card in, of all places, Lincoln, Nebraska, after he basically fought just about everywhere around the world with the UFC, England, China, the Philippines, the Netherlands, Australia, and Singapore, in addition to a fight in Las Vegas at UFC 178, which he lost to Kevin Lee, and in Albuquerque, losing to, I mean, defeating Jake Lindsay via heel kicks. Well, via tap out due to heel kicks. But still, I don't know if John Tuck. I mean, I think the best thing for John Tuck right now would be to, if not request his release, wait until the UFC gives him the okay and, you know, cuts him loose from their promotion. And when he does get a rising contract, I think it would be cool for him to be in the rising lightweight division, but not in the Grand Prix. Mm -hmm. Because the one thing that they, the one thing that I've seen an Asian MMA promotion do as a mistake with a ex UFC fighter was Road FC when they started their one million dollar road to Asu Kwan tournament, the lightweight tournament. They put in Leo Kuntz, Leo the Lion Kuntz, K-U-N-T-Z, in the tournament. And I think if I remember correctly, he lamed out. He lost in the first round of that tournament. So maybe it would be best for John Tuck to wait out and see what the UFC does if they do release him from his contract. But I do think that if he does go to Ryzen, he shouldn't be in the lightweight Grand Prix. He should basically take up like a special attraction belt or something. Huh? If that does happen. I got no problem with that. You know, you don't want to have too many former UFC guys because then it becomes like it becomes that's where the UFC guys go after they get uh, release, and you don't want you want you want to build up your own guys as well as opposed as well as bringing in some people from outs from. From other promotions, but you also want to build up guys yeah. in your neck of the woods, so to speak. I mean, to be honest, you don't want to be the Bellator of the Pacific, even though Bellator already has a track record of bringing in ex UFC talent. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, I just, uh, what did you think of uh, Tim Eschroop when they, a commentary that said apparently he did not smile at all while he was in Japan? And I'm just thinking, like, oh, he's doing his, the best Dean Malenko impression. The Iceman. <laughs> well, to be honest, he was trying to make himself feel like, hey, you know, I'm not here to have fun. I'm here to conduct business. Maybe he was basically like one of those businessmen who 
see Japan only as, you know, I'm here to do work, not here to have fun and be a tourist. Okay, I got you. I got you. He's but, in the zone. Yeah. Uh, I will say, though, we all took an L, though. We all thought that S-Troop was going to win. And, boy, we're, re we're, we're re all wrong on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> especially the two of us. I mean, especially the two of us, Andrew, because we both thought that because of the interview, the respective interviews we had with Tim S-Troop, we would be, you know, looking at somebody who was going to make a name off of Ernst Yamamoto. Unfortunately... That star had faded. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, you want to move on to the next fight, Christian? Uh, yes. Let's go ahead and move on to the next fight. And that next fight was... Former ISKA... No, wait, actually. Former K-1 Crush Super Bantamweight Champion Ryuji Horio, who, oh, by the way, came in on this fight... I mean, came into this fight on four days' notice due to a late-notice scratch injury to the camp of Kizaimon Saiga, a former K-1 veteran. Anyways, Horio defeated current ISKA Muay Thai World Featherweight Champion Kunitaka Fujisawa. With the win, Horio improved... With the unanimous decision win, Horio improves to 20-11-3. Kunitaka drops, albeit still a good record, to thirty. I mean, to fifty-one, thirty-five, and three. Now, even though this fight was a little bit exciting, I have to ask a couple of things. Do you think that this fight was more bang for your buck? And do you think that if Kizaimon Saiga were to have replaced Kuni, I mean, were to have been in the same spot, no? Ryuji Horio necessary. Do you think that Kizaimon's Saiga would have probably fared a lot better than Ryuji Horio against Kunitaka? Um, as you did pick uh, Saiga, Dylan, I'd like to also uh, to uh, defer that question to you first. Listen, well, first of all, I thought Horio did pretty good uh, on his own. Um, Saiga, though, I was so disgusted with his fight. I did not get to see Saiga's wife. That was the only thing I cared about in this fight, and they took it away. And I was very disappointed with that. Uh, Saiga, uh, I, I think he probably would have won. Like I said, I, I predicted him early, earlier on, and Horio got the win, so uh, I think that's good. Kunitaka, like you said, it's kind of like a more bang for your buck fight, but I couldn't even enjoy it that much because I was so disgusted about not seeing Saiga <laughs> and his beautiful life. Uh, I also would like to mention as well that uh, Saiga and Horio train at the same gym. Um, I think it's the Tryhard Gym. So they are training partners. So Ryzen did not have to go too far to find a um, to find a replacement for uh, uh, Saiga. Um, and by the way, they probably didn't try too hard. No pun intended. I'll say that. Yeah, exactly. I'll say this as well. So Saiga. Uh, the reason why he pulled out was, and I wrote a story on this on MMASucker.com, was that uh, it was due to um, uh, symptoms, or he, he, he injured his, um, what do you call it, the uh, orbital bone in a previous fight, and apparently when he went, they, they did the pre-fight uh, pre checkup to the doctors, his peripheral vision was all screwed up. So, 
basically, when Kai Zakura says that he's going to be back in, how was it, two or three months from an orbital, orbital bone fracture? That's not happening. Here's the thing. Even if you get an orbital bone fracture and it, and it heals up, you can still have some some symptoms that come along with it. and uh, Or, you know, some... Um, I don't know, not symptoms, but um, you can still you can still have some effects of it, uh, and you know if your peripheral vision is affected, that's that is really bad in a fight. If you cannot see, if you cannot see around you, only see in front of you, you're you're gonna get fucked up pretty bad. So if not, not to mention, not to mention Andrew, you might risk permanent blindness. Exactly. So you know if Kaizakura, you know I would not. Put that two or three months of return date of that of, of a return to I would not put that in stone at all, um, especially with Saiga because apparently this injury happened months ago, and now it's June and he had to pull out of his fight. So, but um, I gotta say, Horio for a guy who comes on on four days notice, damn he 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 brought it. He looked like he he had been trained for the fight. For four months, not least of four days, um, and he made a uh, Queen Taka, who's a uh, well-rounded veteran. Um, also, Queen Taka, he said this was his first fight without elbows, um, so it was out without the Muay Thai rules, which he says that uh, that's what he is. Uh, as a as you said, he was ISKA. Uh, he is ISKA uh, Muay Thai champion. Muay Thai, they allow elbows during kickboxing match. Uh, uh, Muay Thai kickboxing matches. But uh, rising kickboxing matches, elbows um, are not allowed. Um, so I, that was probably a disadvantage for him, since he's used to fighting with, with that little extra, that little extra um, weapon, the elbows. But um, Horio looked—he looked good. He looked good, man. This was a pretty. This was a pretty fun fight to watch. Uh, seeing you know Horio trying to go for that jumping knee. Uh, and yeah. failing many times, um, but you know, regardless, you know, it was. Uh, let's see if I have any like specific notes on this. Um, uh, I had that Horio kept the pressure. He was a very aggressive, had more volume, was connecting more. Kunitaka seemed to get tired and couldn't keep up the pace. He was he was two steps behind Horio the entire fight, and the judges' um, unanimous decision: 30-28, 30-29, 30-29. Um, yeah, you know, I was alone, the, the one guy who picked, uh, Kunitaka, and once again, uh, I, I will take the, the big fat L on this, and, uh, yeah, you know, it was a good fight. Bring back Choreo. So, wait a minute, by extension, because we picked Saiga, but didn't know that Choreo was gonna be replacing him, we basically, I mean, I don't know if... Dylan, you picked. I, mean, I don't know. If you... Oh yeah. So basically, what I'm trying to say is, because we picked Saiga, that means we won by default, right? Well, he was saying, you know, they do. They're close enough where they train at the same camp, and it was on a four days' notice. I think it's fair that you know, I you know, they're close enough. They're at least close enough that like, okay. It, 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 you, it is a win for you two by default, I'll say. Good. Yeah. I see, but, you know, when it comes down to Ryuji Horio, 
I mean, granted, yes, he probably had a little bit of an up. I mean, he probably had a little bit of an advantage because, you know, he didn't have to really go too far for training, and he was pretty much training for another fight, but didn't know he had to replace one of his teammates for this one. But I think that Ryzen will probably give him a call back. Well, actually, here's, I think he's at a disadvantage. You're told you have, uh, you're offered a fight on four days' notice. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he wasn't training, you know. Also, you know, he was probably at his uh, walk-around weight, you know. It's, 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 you know, or if he had to cut weight, he had to cut a little bit of weight, you know. Just being told that, you know, you're going to be fighting a 51 and whatever, 30 uh, kickboxer, you know, and... You, yeah, this was a. Uh, I think I think uh, Horio was also on a losing streak as well. Um, oh, oh, well, in that case, he was at a bit of a disadvantage, but at least he knew of the liable. I mean, at least he knew of the reliable sources. At least he had people that were ready to train him on those. I mean, basically on those ninety-six days' notice. Yeah. I mean, on that ninety-six day. No, wait, actually, shit, what am I saying? On that 96-hour notice. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dry Hard Jim, you know, the two, uh, the two peop most famous people there are Taiga and his brother, uh, Hiroya. So, you know, you, you, do have, you do have two guys who, who know their shit. So, I'm pretty yeah. sure that he, that I, I saw Hiroya in, um, in, uh, Horio's corner, but I, I don't know if Taiga was there, um... But so I'm pretty sure that they were there to give him great advice, and they probably definitely got him, got him well prepared for the fight uh, as much as on this incredibly short notice. But that's even more impressive. Uh, but to be quite honest, I wouldn't mind seeing Ryuji Horio back with a full training camp this time because yeah. I think that even though he had that four days notice, I think he would be a lot more dangerous. If given enough time, if given enough of an advanced notice in order to get prepared properly and train up for that fight, because I really think that he could be a killer if given, you know, the right amount of time to train. Do you agree with that, Dylan? Would you like to see him back in Ryzen? I mean, imagine what he could look like if he had 10 days notice mm -hmm. before he trained again, instead of just four. But, yeah, Ooh. I totally agree. Uh, what about Kunitaka? What do you think? What what happens to him? Does he go to the old folks' home? Do you send him? Do you send him back to ISKA? Or uh, what do you do? Anything? Any suggestions with him? Savage. <laughs> he was the oldest fighter on this card. Yeah. I know. Yeah, go on, Christian. How old was he? Well, like I said, you know, he was—he looked like he was—he was getting out. He was um, getting tired during the fight as it went on. You couldn't keep up with Horio. He was just—he was just two steps behind when, when uh, with Horio, and uh, he wasn't in danger of being knocked out. But it was just—it was the relentless pressure. Probably also not being allowed to use elbows as well didn't help. So, my, my he's thirty-nine at the time of this fight too. Yeah. So. Oh. You know, might just he might not be um, he might not be you know kick traditional kickboxing maybe not may not be his thing. Maybe Muay Thai is his uh is his game. Mhm. Mm uh, 
I see. Now, do we have any more thoughts about this fight, or should we move on? We can move on. Ah, yes. And, of course, another man that, respectively, myself and Andrew had interviewed was the native of Puna, Hawaii, kind of the one-man riot Hyatt, who basically said he was hoping to put on a show and hoping to win, but unfortunately that didn't really happen, did it? Because the man with two bats, the man who had pretty much home run power in every one of his extremities, Mamoru Oi, U-O-I, full swing, knocked him, I mean, knocked him down, had a couple of one-sided rounds, and then finished kind of off with a right hand and a soccer kick to the dome. <laughs> Grand slam up in this bitch. <laughs> Four minutes, 32 seconds of round number three. Mamoru ups his record to 23-64, knocking out Kana Hyatt, who is now at a considerably, I wouldn't want to say down 16-20, and 20, but hey, at least Kana was fighting all the way through. In his post-fight speech, Mamoru said he appreciated the rising fans but he didn't do, but he was sad that he didn't do a full swing. He wanted to apologize for the way that he performed, but he wanted to thank Shuto and Ryzen for the opportunity, and he hopes to come back stronger. So, I just have to ask, huh, is Mamoru full swing a heavy hitter? And, to be quite honest, do you think it's about time that Connor Hyatt hangs up the gloves? What do you think, Dylan? Oh, man. I, I thought this was a, a really good fight for full swing. I was so impressed by what he brought to the table here. Uh, the knockout was awesome, uh, I thought, at the end, especially the dramatics of it. I think for purely a physical knockout, uh, to be Soya had the more impressive with the, with the high kick. But for the dramatics of it, for this to come in the last few seconds, uh, I thought it was a great win for Full Swing here. Even though he, I love how he did the wrestling thing of input, inputting his nickname into his pro promo post-match as well. Uh, as almost a catchphrase as well. So great job on that. Hyatt, uh, you know, he held his own. I thought definitely a better showing than S-Truth, uh, for sure, uh, to be honest with you. Ryzen might be a step too far for him right now. Uh, the losing record says it all, uh, pretty much. But still, I, th I thought he didn't look uh, too terrible and almost made it against Full Swing. And to me, Full Swing has to be one of the top prospects on this whole card, in my opinion. I'm very high on him right now. So uh, I thought it was a solid performance for him, but uh, Full Swing was the man of the match for sure. This was my fight of the night, actually. Wow. Uh, I might be in, on an island with this, but I was very disappointed in this fight. And I was like, I, I, picked, I picked Full Swing to win. But here's the thing, I also interviewed Conor Hyatt. And he said that this was going to be a war, this fight. It wasn't like that. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I went into this fight expecting a war, so I'm going to get knocked out in the first round. It looked like Full Swing, uh, Conor took one punch from Full Swing, and Conor was like, okay. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to back away, back away, back away, and then try to take down this guy. And that's what he did. For two, for three and a half, uh, for two and a half rounds. Uh, almost, almost full three rounds. 
And hey, didn't we have this conversation on the preview show where uh, we said that same thing that he said that, but his uh, his finishing record wasn't that strong as you would think? And I basically said something to the effect of sometimes when you go in there with a plan, you revert back to who you are naturally as a fighter. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's what we saw here. Oh, yes, exactly. Exactly. yeah. Yeah. But here's yeah. the thing is that. When, when when you're promoting a fight as a war between two guys, um, and then it doesn't turn into a war, that's when it is that's when it becomes it's like this fight felt longer than it really than it was. I'm happy there was a finish. And here's the thing, full swing did look great. But here's the thing as well, I've learned full swing Well also we should mention he legally changed his name to full swing. They mentioned on commentary. Wow. So his full name, awesome. his name is Full Swing Uoi. Not Mamoru anymore. That is not his, that is not, and I don't know if anybody saw the Rise of Confessions video. This guy is like, he came to training late, um, and like, this guy looks, he, they, his, his, his training, his camp was like, he's only good at one thing, and that's, and that's, that's that Full Swing Punch. Like, he's not good at anything else. So that's... I just found that really fast. I found uh, Full Swing to be a fascinating uh, character overall. Um, would, I definitely would like to see him back in Ryzen. Kana, I don't know. I, at the, what, what, what happened during this fight and what was promised, I would have to say no. I would not be, I would not be interested in seeing Kana Hayek come back to Ryzen. Um, I expected Kana to, to, to... I can understand that, Andrew, but you probably wouldn't mind seeing Kana Hyatt get a few more fights in before calling a career? Uh, I guess so, but I feel like he's one of those guys who's going to fight. He's going to be like a, a Joe Riggs or a Travis Fulton who's just going to always be fighting, no, ma- no matter what age they are. He just, he just seems like one of those guys who enjoys fighting um, kind of Hyatt. Um, but I definitely would like, uh, I would like Full Swing to come back uh, into a rising ring. Uh, sorry, I have to disagree with you, with you though, Dylan, that this was not my fight of the night, unfortunately. Um, you're, you're a hater right now. How, how many other prospects are you going to see with a 22-6 and six record uh, that Ryzen can get there? you got to bring it back, I feel like. Uh, question: Who would you put full swing against up next um, for another show, Dylan? Person. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But, uh, yeah, 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 I know. I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think Nakamura would be a good uh, guy to face. We saw him a little later on the card. I think that would be a good fight for both men, uh, and they're both uh, very similar weight as well. So uh, I think that would be a good pick as well. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Or Soya, the batter of the good knockout uh, overall. Uh, it could be a good one. If you're looking at guys that just on this card. I also got to say, uh, Full Swing, he's one ugly-looking motherfucker. He is faces <laughs> all just like, just like, it's just like a mess, his face. Um, I'm not surprised because he his name is Full Swing, so I'm going to guess that he's gotten a few punches to his face uh, during his, his, uh, Fighting career. Um, any thoughts on this fight, Dylan? I'm oh, uh, sorry, Christian. Uh, to be honest, mm, not really. But I do think that 
I mean, I do think that full swing, because of his personality, if he does end up getting another rising fighter in, I'm pretty sure that they are going to turn him into a cult icon. <laughs> as far as kind of height is concerned, I don't know. Maybe this may as well be it for him because he's basically on the downside of his career. I mean, he's four, he's four losses out. No, he's four losses below 500 at this point. And I think he needs to really, you know, reevaluate because he said he wouldn't, if he wasn't a fighter, he would be a mechanic because we were working on cars and stuff. And I'm pretty sure he told you that as well, Andrew, but mm-hmm. still, maybe it would be best for kind of Hyatt to rethink his career because, or, you know, just go into Muay Thai overall because he told me that he has a good Muay Thai record, but... Still, I do think that he needs to think his career over, and maybe the next chapter for him will probably be in the Muay Thai ring, or maybe fixing up cars on the Big Island. Uh, what about okay? So the other thing also, do you think that that full swing needs to broaden his fight game, or is he, or can he just, can he just do what he does to have a successful career in Ryzen. Do either of you have any thoughts on that? I think he can do what he does, but he would probably need to boost up his persona more. What do you think, Dylan? Can he just can he just coast on the on the full swing knockout punch in his Ryzen career? I think he needs to work to get a little bit more well rounded before he takes on top tier talent. Uh, but if he, if they, um, you know, let's just say something would happen where he lost and they moved him back to level. He could keep going at this level he's at right now with the full swing. If you want to face a main eventer and be up there in the titles and things like that, he needs to get more well-rounded in my opinion. I was going to say, yeah, you fight a Kyoji Horiguchi or a Manel Cape, they're going to, they're going to know what you're coming for and they're going to have a game plan that already is going to negate that, 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 that punch. Um, that he that he delivers. So yeah, I absolutely agree. That's the one thing that he if if he if he if it's a main event or a very high ranked fighter, they got he's got to at least broaden his game somewhat. The, the kind of Hyatts and those people, yeah, do what you do, you'll you'll do well against them. But for the most part, I think he would have to broaden his game up, especially as the uh, as the talent pool gets higher and higher if he uh, makes it eventually to that level. Uh, but uh, Christian, wanna, let's move on to the next match. Uh, yes, let's go ahead and move on to the next fight. And then I would, I would basically lie to you and say this was exciting, but it really wasn't. This next bout was a pretty lackluster affair. But Tofik Musayev upped his record to 15 and 3, the pride of Azerbaijan upped his record to 15-3 and three by laying a lot of cumulative damage on Darren Cruikshank, the Detroit superstar who was fighting his first bout since losing to Damian Beatdown Brown and since that racist incident came out. Cruikshank is now 22-12. and 12. 
main. I mean, obviously, both of these men will need to improve off of this mess. If either man will want to be in the rising lightweight Grand Prix later on this year, but I mean, one question I gotta ask is: Do you think that these two men fought a fight that is worthy of one or both of these guys being in the? lightweight Grand Prix and a higher seed if it were to happen later this year? Uh, Dylan, your thoughts? See, to me, Andrew, this was the fight that disappointed me uh, the, the most, not necessarily the last one, because I was expecting this to be uh, something spectacular, a fight of the night type of performance. Uh, and I mentioned it on the last show. To me, Musaev was dominant in everything I saw him in Krushank well more regarded and famous, especially in America, than Musab. But I thought Musab would get it uh, and take him down and have a good run with him. But like you said, to me, this was just a boring fight, uh, Christian, pretty much. And neither man really showed out too much. But for the Grand Prix, uh, I think Musab, yeah, I think it, the fact that he won, at least he should be in, if not both of them, uh, to be honest. But I think Musab won. Uh, he should at least get a shot in that. And that's just my opinion, even though to me the fight was very disappointing and not that entertaining. Uh, yeah, so I took the out on this because I'm the lone guy who put who picked Crookshank um, and you two picked uh, Musayev. Um, that was an upset, though. Most people thought Crookshank yeah. would win. Here's the thing about Musayev. Like I said, I don't, th I, I don't think he's a bad fighter, but I just thought he, he would just not be on Crookshank's level. And the weird thing is that even though he beat Crookshank, I still don't see him as being on a level higher than Crookshank. To me, he just did enough to win, if that makes any sense. Um, and um, the problem is, is, so here's the thing. So what I noticed during this fight, it seemed like, it seemed like Musayev was really depending on his takedowns uh, to win this fight. While Crookshank was trying to go for that one knockout punch, that that spinning elbow, or or that or that kick to knock out Musayev, and he, he couldn't connect with it. And um, thing is, is that like Tofik in his uh, in his rising debut match looked incredibly impressive. Darren Crookshank in, in the fights that he's won, impressive. When you put the two impressive guys together, neither of them look good. Which is funny. It's funny how that works out. Um, I, I did like the punch that Crookshank went for at the end of round one. Uh, there too. Oh uh, yeah. Musa. Yes. Um, he didn't connect with it, but it was a good. It was a good attempt. I thought he put a lot into. Was that the spinning? Was that did he try the spinning? Was that the spinning one that he tried? No. Yeah, he had the spinning elbow, but the the punch at the end was just like a kind of like a Superman punch. Oh yes, a Superman punch. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Um. So, I mean, I kind of figured, well, it was funny, on commentary, they were kind of implying that this was like a qualifying match for the uh, lightweight uh, tournament. I kind of figured that Darren Crickshank would already be in, based on name alone. Uh, but if this really was a qualifying match, then I guess you kind of have to put, put Tofik in, because he did win. Um, did you hear that as well, Dylan? That this was—they seem to be implying that this was a uh, qualifying match. Yeah, I got that vibe as well. Uh, here. Um, 
but it was really, you know, again, it was an unimpressive, it, it was an unimpressive, it was not a domination. This wasn't a Khabib Nurmagomedov domination of just three rounds where it was just like, wow, I can't believe this guy got, this was more of like a guy who happened, he won, he won, he, he checked off the boxes, the right, the right, the right uh, boxes to win the fight to get the judge's decision. And I don't know if Tofik was even going for a finish for this fight. As a, I, don't know that's, I don't know if that's presumptuous of me to say, but I just felt like he wasn't going for a finish. He was kind of just playing this, this fight safe. Um, you know, in the third round before he got the double leg takedown, he did have that spinning kick he tried, uh, which looked pretty nifty. But he, oh, he yeah. missed it and went right to, right to the ground. But that was a pretty cool move. He, if he would have hit it, I think he would have had something. It's but, so funny like, that... It's funny because, like, I felt like Crookshank was trying to finish the fight more than Musayev. I don't know. If, he was more early on for sure. I felt like every round he came out aggressive. Exactly. Um, yeah, we were, yeah, this was just a, it was an incredibly lackluster match between two guys who were impressive in their, in all their other matches. Uh, and then when you put them together, it was kind of like, ugh. What do you think, Christian? Hey, didn't seem like, like Shank had an injury in that second round when he, when he went to... When oh, the rib? The, the rib, yeah. Like, yeah. he was, like, holding his... Yeah. He may have... I don't think I heard... I didn't hear anything about him mentioning a rib. It, I don't know, or an arm injury. I know they mentioned on commentary. It's possible that he may have. Um, yeah. Um, he, he was also... Well for the because he was still aggressive even after yeah. that, but it felt like he got it hurt there. He was also getting very tired. If you, I don't know, uh, near the second or third round when Musiev got the takedown, I could hear heavy breathing from Crookshank. Like, <sighs> like, like, it was, it, it was like, I'm really, I'm, I'm getting tired. Uh, heavy breathing. Um, yeah, uh, what do you think about this fight, uh, Christian? Um, any, any pertinent thoughts? To this uh, lackluster fight? Yeah, I think that even though Musayev landed a bit more damage than Crookshank, and even though Crookshank did try his best to stay alert, even though he was, I mean, like you said, he was breathing heavily, the fight was pretty boring. It just lacked that oomph when it came down to crucial moments in the fight. Oh, no, I agree. I absolutely I think we all agree on that. Uh, yeah, we agree. Um, but, you know, we were just talking about, Dylan and I were talking about that it sounded like on commentary that this was like a qualifying match, at least the way that they were talking about it. And then, suddenly, you know, if this was, then if, if presumably Darren Cruikshank is not in it, then I guess Tofi has to be in it just because he won the match, whether he deserves it or not, to tell you the truth. Yeah, well, don't be surprised if both men are added to the Grand Prix, but... Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. They, they, they might yeah. not But as low as... I mean, but not as higher seeds, obviously, as lower seeds, like a four or five seed. Because I think that when it came down to this fight, both of these men pretty much disqualified themselves from, you know, being a top draw in this tournament should it happen. Yeah, um, yeah, we were, yeah, we were just, you know, I was, I just mentioned it. It looked like Crookshank was trying to, trying to go for a finish, but then Tofik seemed to be playing this fight very, very safe. Um, 
And I, I'm going to guess that was probably because he, you know, he was fighting Crookshank. And, you know, they were probably like, you know, it's better to, to, to play this fight safe than to try to, like, you know, risk getting knocked out against a guy like him. But, um, yeah, it was... He's been uh, dominant in his prior fights, so I, I feel like... Um, you know, I'd I like to see more of these two. I, I hope they do, because I think they've been impressive in other fights. It's just not just... Yeah, which is the most disappointing, because when you think at... When, when two guys... You know, it's it's the Derek Lewis, uh, the Derek Lewis Francis Naganu effect, where some people they just look so good in their, or, or they're they're just so entertaining in their in their fights, and you think that oh, you put them together, it's good, it'll just it'll just be a great fight, and then suddenly like it's, it's it's it's, it's nothing. And I'm not gonna say that this fight was as bad as that one, but this fight, you know, for what we expected, I think of the two, I think it was incredibly a, a, a disappointing affair. Um, actually, uh, but before we go on to the next fight, Christian, uh, we uh, skipped a little thing. Um, they ha they mentioned the uh, the fights for the uh, July twenty eighth Saitama show for Rise of Seventeen. Um, yeah, I think I remember them talking about it. I think I remember them putting it over, which is crazy because of the fact that, despite the fact that the show already has. Long ass intermissions, and Ryzen is known for having those long ass intermissions. This was a bit of a break from the monotony that went on. I mean, that normally goes on when it comes down to these intermissions. The three fights that were announced for Ryzen 17, which will take place on July the 28th at the world famous Saitama Super Arena in Saitama Shi, Saitama, Japan. Are two bantamweight bouts, Shintaro Ishiwatari versus Yuta Oka Sasaki, and Hiromasa Okikubo versus recent former deep fighting championship bantamweight champion Yuki Motoya, and a lightweight bout, which will probably be either a lightweight Grand Prix qualifier or a featherweight Grand Prix preview between Yusuke Yachi and Mikuru Asakura. And they also announced a bout for Ryzen 18, which will take place on August 18th in Nagoya Aichi, Japan, featuring a welterweight contest with Marcos Yoshio Makinos de Sosa, who is the brother of Roberto Satoshi de Sosa, both of which are former champions of Rio Fighting Championship. Now, I gotta ask... First, what are your thoughts on the three bouts that will be taking place at this Saitama card? And second, who do you think is probably a worthy opponent for Marcos Yoshio Makinhos de Sosa to be making his rising debut against? Uh, Dylan, uh, I'll, I'll defer the questions to you first. Like I said, I, I'm so new to all of this, I, I barely even know these guys, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, I'm just gonna keep it real with you right now. Um, no, that's fine. Um, yeah. Well, they're gonna say, you'll you'll as you become more uh, ingrained in in Ryzen and JMA, these guys will be you'll definitely start to be familiar with all with all six of these guys. Um, with yeah, we, the only thing I, I know is the Shudo champion uh, Ogi Kupo mm -hmm. uh, as well. So. And uh, also for uh. uh you for uh, UFC uh, 
what was it? The Ultimate Fire 20... Was it 28? Ultimate Fire 24, which is the season that Bulky Kubo was on. Yes. Bulky was a former UFC veteran. Yes. Um, but uh, regarding... Um, who should... Uh, so they said that his... That the... That um, DeSouza is going to be... Fighting at 170, I'm assuming, when you said welterweight? Yeah. Oh, shit. I don't, does, I don't, does, who the fuck is at welterweight in Ryzen? I don't even know. <laughs> they, they had a, a what was it, um, Strasher Kichi was part of their 170 division, and he left because he even said, there's nobody in Ryzen who's 170. I'm fighting 155 guys who fight, who, who have to go up in weight. So, you know. probably need to find somebody out of the promotion. Oh, Jesus, I don't even, like, it's so weird that, like, you know, I can't, I can't think of anybody in, in, the, in Japanese MMA right now, I can't think of anybody in Deep or Pancreas or Shuto, who is 170? Um, you have to go to Bellator, I think, if you want to start looking at 170, guys. Yeah, even Russia, like the the, the the Eastern Bloc, you'll have to start looking at. Um, yeah, I have honestly no idea. I don't know if you want to if you want to have Kitaoka go up and wait again to face off against uh, De Souza's. Uh, uh, he already lost against to one De Souza. Have him go against the brother. You know, I don't know. Like, I know he's, but you know, he lost. He's lost at one seventy before. Um, I don't know. That's a, I don't. I on, that's, I honestly don't have an answer for that. You have to look at Bellator. Quite I think. Um, who's in Bellator right now? There's a so if if Roy McDonald's a one seventy champion, um, I don't know. MVP. You got Nemec Lacey. You got Michael Page. You got Douglas Lima. I don't know. Uh, oh no, Douglas Lima. Would, would, I think would fuck up. Uh, this other no. Um, what about Paul Sentex Daly? I think that'd be a good. I think that'd be a good matchup. The only thing that Paul Sentex uh, Daly is like really on the downswing his career. I don't know. How about MVP? You know, that's what I'll say. I'll, just, I'll say Michael Venom Page. Put it, Michael. Ven He's never really faced a a, a, a jujitsu uh, guy, really. Um, I don't know. Did you, did you, Lima. Michael Venom Page is more known for his boxing. Yeah, listen, I like style clashes like that. You know what? Fuck it. Just go with MVP. I have no idea who who, who you pick for that. I'm, I'm I'm assuming that Shingo and the matchmakers at Ryzen will know more than I do or have more names off the top of their head. So good luck with them. Uh, the three fights that they have, I think, are really, really good. I've wanted Ogikuba back since that Ryzen 11 match that he had with uh, 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 Kyoji Horiguchi. Uh, it's great that Oka Suzaki is back from that fucking what, what disease or whatever he had some like intestinal like infection or something that was really gross um i i have some really funny quotes though um from this um from this uh when they were they all they, they had all the fighters all six of them come in and speak on the mic actually it was funny de souza uh he uh he was uh, actually commentary got got him mixed up they thought he was talking about his brother uh satoshi de souza um, they, they didn't think he was talking about himself coming to Ryzen. And it was funny because he was reading off what he had to say on his phone. And the, the, the 
the commentators, Fr Fr Joe Ferraro and Frank Trigg, were like blasted, like they were so mind blown that like he was reading in perfect Japanese from his phone. <laughs> Even though he's been living in Japan, I think for like 16 years or, or like most of his life or something, along with his brother. Uh, but uh, so um, Yuki Matoya, um, he actually fucked up when he when, when he was speaking. Um, he actually even said that like I'm not good with speaking. So he said he said uh, I hope to put on an exciting fight. Thank you. <laughs> That's all he said. That's all he said. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, his opponent um, uh, Ogikubo said, "Hey Matoya, let's make a great fight in July. Everyone look for everybody look forward to the fight. I appreciate your support. Also, Ogikubo, I think vacated the uh, the." Um, what was it? The, uh, sh is it the, uh, Shuto Flyweight title? Uh, yes, he did vacate the Shuto Flyweight. I mean, yeah, the Shuto World Flyweight title he vacated because, obviously, he wants to focus on rising. And they're probably also, also probably playing him a lot more, you know. Here's the thing. You don't want your champion going into a presumed fight or, or tournament and then they lose. You know, most, most bookers would not like that. And I'm pretty sure Shuto wouldn't like that either. Um, let's see, um, for Oko Sasaki, um, he said, I will be fighting Shintiro Ishiwatari in July. I do apologize for skipping the April event against Azakura, but I will get through this, uh, this tough opponent in July and we'll be back for more. And actually, I gotta correct myself, um, Sasaki was not there. He was, he did like a video, um, like a video promo, because he lives in New York. Um, and then uh, Shintiro Ishiwatari said, It's been a while since I fought here. I need to regain the Ryzen fans, so the first step is by beating up Ulka. <laughs> okay, and this was the best part. So, Mikuru Azakura, you know, outsiders, you know, guy who's a brawler, but his last fight didn't brawl at all, but before that was a brawler, um, has been wanting to fight Yusuke Yachi for a long time. And, uh... These two were um, um, had had, some, had a bunch of choice words, which I'll lead, and then we'll move on to the next fight. But I, uh, Yusuke Yachi said, um, Asakura had mentioned that he wanted to fight me, so I knew it would happen someday. I'm honored to be fighting such a strong fighter in Saitama. He's talking a bunch of smack, but I honestly think I'm the one who has nothing to gain fighting a smaller opponent who hasn't beat any legit competition. I'm not the one to say this, but if you want to talk big, beat legit guys or you have no credibility. And apparently he forgot that Luis Gustavo, I guess he knocked he knocked him out so hard that he forgot that Yachi forgot that he fought him. And Yachi, and Gustavo is a featherweight. So a featherweight knocked out Yachi, who's a lightweight. So he's not, I don't know if he was, if he remembered or he didn't, didn't think that Gustavo was a featherweight. But Gustavo's a featherweight. Um, and you know what? I think it's pretty obvious, and you're probably going to talk about this in a couple of seconds, but it, it's pretty obvious and it's pretty crazy that Mikuru Asakura said if he defeats Yachi, he wants to see a featherweight Grand Prix because he probably feels that there's more talent in the Ryzen featherweight division than there is in the lightweight division. Which I don't know if I would agree with that personally. But uh, that's what he says, and we'll, I'm going to tell you exactly what he says. So, Mika Razakura said, I have nothing to gain from this fight. I'm a featherweight, and he's a lightweight. A lightweight. 
I asked if he would do a catch weight, but he refused. So fuck it. I'll fight him at his weight. But if I win, I'm not fighting the white weight Grand Prix. I want a featherweight Grand Prix. And also I want main the main event at the Saitama Super Arena. So, um, yeah. He says he 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 thinks he thinks Yachi's shit. He he doesn't want he he wanted to fight at catchweight. He's not a lightweight fighter, but he said that he'll still take him at a lightweight and wants that featherweight Grand Prix. Listen, if if they can get a bunch of featherweights for for that, you know, I say rise and go ahead with that. You know, it'd be funny. You know, de determining an entire Grand Prix based on one fight that would be a very interesting uh concept. Exactly. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. But I'll be honest. I really want to see that lightweight Grand Prix. I'm sure they can do a featherweight at some point. But that their lightweight division is so has so many people, and I just there's so many compelling fights. I really just want. I really want to see that. But if if it comes down to if Mikuru defeats Yachi and they decide to go with featherweight. I'll be slightly disappointed. I would have to be honest. Um, I don't know, uh, Dylan. Do you have any thoughts on what uh, on any of these fires? What they said. Love the promo for Mikuru. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was very, very funny, very interesting. Uh, what a cowardly move from Yashi for not taking the catchweight fight <laughs> and instead making him fight at his level. So that that alone, I'm I'm going with Mikuru on that fight uh, and hoping he wins for justice. Uh, even though it would lead to it would lead to the less interesting featherweight Grand Prix because I agree with you the lightweight is where it's at uh, right now but still we'll have to see how it goes hopefully they can do uh, maybe both uh, have a featherweight Grand Prix after the lightweight uh, and so I'm just to let everybody know right after uh, um, what was it? I think that the, the intermission was right after this match yes they. Uh, mm -hmm. They had, um, actually no, it was before, it was right before, um, the Kana Hyatt match. All this took place before the Quick Shake match. it was right after the Kana Hyatt yes, match. Yes, yeah, uh, that's what I meant to say. And that, this, that intermission, uh, I did not time it when this, uh, when, when they were doing this. I timed it after, when it, when the little thing on the screen, uh, said intermission. That was a 40 plus intermission, just so everybody know. But, uh, let's move on to the... On to the next fight, cause I'm gonna trash this fucking fight. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, <laughs> trash it away, trash it away. Yusaku Nakamura upped his professional record to 16-6 and one, beating the guy who thinks that Japanese fighters are weak. Tanangsak like Takdoi Tigeruri Tai Chuwatana, who now sees his record drop to six and three. In his post-fight speech, Nakamura said that, well, actually, Nakamura admitted that the fight did suck, but his tooth got chipped, which shown the violent impact of what Top Doy can do. He thanked the fans for supporting both fighters. So, I know you want to talk about how bad this fight was. But first of all, I just want your—I just want your opinions on if you think these two will probably be coming back to Ryzen, and then you can rant away, Andrew. <sighs> this fight sucked. It, 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 right now, 
this is the worst fight. Uh, the, when we do our Rise of Rewards awards, if we were to have it now, this would immediately win it. What oh. this, this was? I I I wrote on Twitter. If Vince Russo booked an MMA match, this is how it would be. And there were eye pokes. There were there were knees to the groin. There was teeth falling out. And it was this was there were headbutts. There were illegal head. This was a mess. This fight went 15 minutes. It felt like it went for three hours. This felt longer than any intermission that happened on this on this card. This was this was a, a completely unimpressive fight with both guys. If there was a way, you know, I would, you know, there's so many, there's so many weird things to talk about this fight. You know, like Nakamura somehow winning without doing really anything besides takedowns. We got, we got, we got uh, Topnoy, who, you know. I'm gonna get the guy who said it on on Twitter, um, but um, what was brought up was so Ryzen. They are told we are told that this that this uh that that fights are judged fifty percent damage and then the rest is on a fight as a whole. And my uh, that's what we've been told, right? Uh, right, Christian. That's that's what that's what they used to do in Pride. And that's what they do in uh Ryzen. Christian? Oh, I'm sorry. I was muting myself for a second because I was waiting for your rant. But oh. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it they... As we've known for like well over two decades, they don't judge fights. Oh, well, actually, almost two decades. They don't judge fights round by round. They judge fights as a whole and on damage. So I'm going to quote um, someone, his name is Daniel Rubenstein on Twitter, at Danny Rube, R-U-B-E, Danny, D-A-N-N-Y. And he, I think he owns a, uh, a sports agency. Um, maybe he's involved with Topnoy, I don't know. But this is what he wrote, and he said something very interesting. Um, I don't know, call me crazy, but in the rules meeting, they said significant damage was worth something like 50, 50%, 5-0 present and fight was judged as a whole i think knocking a dude's two front teeth out warrants significant damage to me so hey oh just to let everybody know so during this match uh it was it was the last round Topnoy gives this this like upwards elbow to to nakamura and nakamura despite wearing a mouthpiece he stops, and then he—you can see it on camera. It's—it's it's clear as day. He spits out two teeth and points to them. And if you saw later in the match when he gave the po the post-match promo where he said the fight was not impressive, he—that's he, like the first thing that he shows is his two front teeth. It was absolutely disgusting. It was actually the most impressive thing about this fight. So, but what? what so yeah, if we're gonna judge by significant damage, by that account. Topnoy should have won this match then. Am I wrong in thinking that? You're not wrong. Dylan, what do you think? No way. Okay. No, but, you're totally right. So here's the thing. But here's the thing as well. This is where Topnoy is going to have to... Uh, is going to... Is going to have to uh, learn something as well. His fight IQ was terrible. He just stopped. When, when, when Nakamura stopped the point at his teeth... I have no idea why he pointed at his teeth, by the way. Topnoy just stood there. He didn't do anything. The referee didn't stop the fight. The referee, there was no referee to, to like, 
to there was nothing. He didn't do anything. He just stared at him. Why the fuck did he do that? He had the guy. The guy was basically open to him. It could have easily. He could have easily knocked him out. And that's what I was talking about earlier in the Soya fight. Like, you have to stay on top of guys in in this uh, MMA. You know, Soya. People calling him dirty. Look what just happened here. Like you said, uh, Top Noy had an opening to take him out, but I don't know if it was because of honor or fear of the referee's reprisal. But Top Noy, like you said, just let him do it and didn't really take advantage when he should have. And, there, and there, not to mention the, the amount of eye pokes in this fight. There was eye pokes yeah. that were that some. There were some eye pokes that were that were um, that the referee was like, you know, timeout. There were other times where the referee was like, no. There were headbutts. There was groin. This fight. This was an awful fight. It was a really terrible, terrible fight. And the fact that I don't even know if like if they even should have given a decision to either of them because it really was just there was so much shenanigans in this fight as well. Um, yeah, this, this fight sucked. Really awful. Dylan? Yeah. Any thoughts? Well, I mean, you summed it up really well. Uh, you, you took a lot of my talking points when it came to the eye post, especially, I noted. Uh, I didn't really like how, the way the referee was handling that during this fight. Neither man really did much of anything, uh, especially Nakamura when it came to doing damage. Top Noy, when he hit him and knocked the teeth out, that was the most impressive part of this fight, as you mentioned. Uh, also, the grossest part when he actually showed it afterwards, uh, Nakamura, but uh, it wasn't what it could have been. I was very excited to see Top Noy in action, but he didn't really impress much here either. The judges, it's hard to, to tell what they were going for here, but I don't think either man particularly impressed. I wasn't uh, thinking, oh, this was a huge robbery. Other than the teeth getting knocked out, which, if you like you said, if that's true about judging 50% based on damage, then Top Noy should have won, uh, I feel like, here. Uh, but uh, either man was particularly impressive, which is why I shouted them out to face uh, Yamamoto earlier, because I, don't, I think they, they're in line for a step down, not really a step up here after this fight. Oh, and also, I forgot, Top Noy grabbed the rope to prevent a takedown as well in the yeah. first round. I forgot about that. Um... And they were just like, they were talking to each other in the ring, which I don't know how, because Top Noy doesn't speak Japanese, and I'm pretty sure that Nakamura doesn't speak Thai. Um, yeah, this was, this was just like, this was just like, this was an overbooked mess, if you, if, if you were to put it in pro wrestling terms. It was, it was awful in every sense of the word. Um, what, what do you think, Christian? <laughs> well... All I gotta say is, do y'all remember that BET show called Iron Ring? I R O N R I N G. Yeah. Nope. No, why? Well, Andrew, since you don't know, and I'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners are probably confused, Black Entertainment Television over a decade ago had an idea where they had like highly trained minority MMA fighters and they had listed them up with celebrities like Floyd Mayweather, Rick Ross, Ludacris, and Nelly. I mean, and as well as that, Joel Santana and Jim Jones and Lil John. And they had like a bunch of crazy fights 
with, of course, referee Cecil Peoples, Sensei Cecil Peoples. Oh. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't, I mean, for some odd reason, it looked like, it looked like the male version of Smack Girl because you couldn't ground and pound anybody. You couldn't basically throw elbows to anybody. You couldn't use, I mean, it was basically like MMA without all the fun. And this fight, in a way, was kind of like JMMA's version of the Iron Ring because all the fun was basically sucked out of it from the moment the opening bell happened. And in a way, I don't know. I don't know what the hell these two fighters were thinking, but it wasn't thinking about putting on a good show. It was thinking about forcing the fans to leave early, which thankfully the guys that aren't on that call, I mean, the rest of the fans who stuck around through all the BS and the intermission up until the main event didn't. But still, this fight was more like JMMA's version of BET's The Iron Ring. Much like the show, this fight wasn't that good. I'm just going to add on to that, to what you said. So, uh, when they, when the, uh, when Lenny Hart announced, uh, one minute into the, when it was the third round, she goes one minute into the, uh, one minute into, into the third round. The audience started clapping, apparently. <laughs> yeah, because they knew that the torture was going to end. And I'll tell you this, it doesn't take, sorry, Dylan? No, I'm Oh, sorry. I was going to say that, um, you don't, listen, to piss off a Japanese audience, you need to do, you need to, you need to, like, do a, a lot to piss them off. And if you're, if, if they're clapping when the one minute mark is in the third round, then you know you done fucked up. Um, exactly. And, yeah. And here's the thing as well. Topnoy, I interviewed him, said he wants to fight tension, I, either kickboxing, Muay Thai, or MMA. I'll tell you this, right now, at least in MMA, nope. No yeah. tension. This was a, this was good, this should have been his, his moment of opportunity to, to defeat, to be a successful Muay Thai fighter turned MMA fighter. And he unfortunately, this was, this was not his night. And I think he goes down the pecking order a lot, especially if he wants to fight tension this bad. So then I, I guess I'm going to ask as well, what do you do with Topnoy after after this fight? What do you think, Dylan? Uh, well, he won't fight tension <laughs> in all likelihood after, after this fight. I, I think his dream is a little that bit further away. That must be obvious, Dylan. We know <laughs> yeah. that. Listen, that's, that's the great quality analysis I'm giving you right now. He will not fight tension <laughs> after this. Um, he has to go down the card uh, to me. Um he was somebody I pegged when you asked me earlier about Yamamoto. I thought of him even for Nakamura. Uh, I think it's someone that could be a competitive fight. But uh, either way, you, you look at it, he's somebody that's going down the cards for sure. Mm. Absolutely. Um, what about Nak? Oh, I think we talked about uh, Yamamoto, Erson uh, fighting Nakamura. I guess I got no issue with that. But uh, yeah, Christian, what do you think about Tabnoi? What do you think happens with uh, Thangong Lasek? Thang, 
Ah, damn it. I, I can't even pronounce the damn name right, but I think what you do with Top Noy now, probably, I wouldn't say, you know, plan him up for another bounce because I think the best thing for him, I don't know if it would be cut him loose because, you know, he can't cut him loose, but I think the best thing for him would to be, yeah, want to give him a tune-up fight. Um, MMA yeah. or kickboxing? Yeah, kickboxing. Okay, anybody who you have? I originally initially when I saw when I when I saw Nakamura, I was like, put Nakamura and Topnoy together, because those are I thought those are they got two wild personalities. I think would uh would easily clash in a kickboxing match. off against Kizai Monsaiga again in kickboxing, or maybe for the first time. Okay. Um, trying... uh, listen, I think what he needs to do, uh, since you mentioned the Iron Ring, he needs to hook up with Ludacris. Because uh, <laughs> if you remember on the show, Luda was the one that was uh, always on the, you know, doing his thing. Some people were like barely even on that show, <laughs> or especially messing with the fighters, but Luda was all in that show. So he's got to help out Top Noy bring him into his Iron Ring version. 2019, in my opinion. Yeah, but if you remember that show, basically it was more so about the artists, the rappers, yeah. rather than the actual fighters. Yeah. We yeah. don't want the fighting. Was very, the fighting was very little a part of that show. In fact, it was like maybe they'll cut away like a highlight video of it. Uh, but mostly, like I said, but the some of them weren't even there. Ludacris was in depth. He had a hands-on, you know, uh, way of going about it. So. Luda, he's the house out top noy here. Uh, per, perhaps show him the wisdom he learned uh, from his Iron Ring debut. Uh, so bring it on, top noy. You got You got to take a different, different strategy going forward. All I'll say is that whatever the next fight is, you know, I'll say top noy did have a great entrance. I love his entrance. Um, I love him giving the middle finger to uh, Nakamura. I always love that he does that. Um, <laughs> He shaves stars into the side of his head. I'm not so sure I'm a fan of that. I'm not a fan of the of of the of the fuck up your hair um, yeah. thing. But um, I'm happy to give him another chance. I'm happy if he if he if he fucks up again though, then he might he might need to um, stay in Thailand for a while. Either that, or you know, take a fight for some blood money. <laughs> oh yeah, some Russian blood money. Um, I will say that uh, we all did take an, uh, an L on this. We all picked Topnoy to win, unfortunately. I, I was so excited to see him. Uh, I had to be honest. Oh, uh, we I all were. Yeah, he, he, we all were. He had one of the best entrances at, Ry went at Ryzen, uh, I think it was 13, where he came out. Uh, it was in honor of the, uh, of the Thai rescue team that, that rescued the kids in the cave. Um, and, uh, yeah. He knows how to put on an entrance, and he knows how to be entertaining as a personality. But but he needs to be more entertaining inside the ropes, exactly. not outside. Exactly. Uh, well, want to go into that next fight, Christian? Uh, yes. And first of all, before we even talk about you know the outcome of this fight, Jay Kuhn came out looking like Stargazer from Guardians of the Galaxy coming out to that old classic soul song, Come and Get Your Love. <laughs> I mean, 
the dude really done his damnedest to make himself feel entertaining because the last time he was in Ryzen, even though he got annihilated by Yuri Prohaska, he came out. I mean, he basically came down the ramp emulating Top Gun. <laughs> Actually, sorry, Christian, I gotta correct you. Not Stargazer, Star-Lord. Star-Lord, yeah. Oh, Star-Lord, star I mean, what do I know? I never watched any of those damn Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I'm not that much of a <laughs> Disney more. But still. Shots fired. Uh, yeah, I know. But point of the matter is, Jake Hune had an entertaining entrance and an entertaining theme for him, which is pretty odd because you don't really hear a lot of fighters come out to old soul songs from the 60s and 70s anymore. But still, after 15 brutal, agonizing minutes of nonstop action, the Huddy Bear, Jake Hume, upped his record to 13-9 and nine overall, getting the upset victory against a very game, deep megaton champion, Rocky Martinez, 14-6-2. Hume said that prior... I mean, Hume said in the interviews leading up to last weekend's bout prior to it that he would like to see the rising upper weight class, the heavyweights slash openweights, grow. My writer's note on the MMA opinion was if we keep getting action like this, the rising megaton division, I guess, the deep megaton division, but still, the rising heavyweight division will probably be just as good, if not better, than the pride heavyweight division. That's just my undivided opinion. But, first of all, what were your thoughts about this fight, which Hume did one, and do you think that these two probably did enough to make Ryzen care a little bit more about the big boys, the super big boys? Uh, Dylan, what do you think about that? Uh, what are your thoughts? They should have. I thought this was a really good fight. Uh, you know, we had everything here. You had the, the dancing entrance for Jake. He, uh, you know, the first round they both ended up getting bloodied, but by the end, he even tried a cartwheel kick at one point in, in the second round. I thought they did everything here. Both both fighters had a lot of action. Um, I, I thought uh, Rocky actually did better as the fight went on, and we and we saw where he slammed him in the third round. Uh, overall, he got some. Uh, he had him in the half guard, landed some elbows here. Um, I thought Martinez definitely took the, the third round. Uh, Hune looked good. They both did good. I actually thought Rocky. You know, you can make a good argument that he won this fight too. But it was a really strong fight for both men. I thought uh, lots of uh, action and good stuff there from from them here. What do you think, Andrew? Um, <laughs> this fight was so awesome. This was a classic yeah. Pride heavyweight match. And also, it's actually funny, you know, that one, maybe the weakest division in Ryzen right now is the heavyweight division. It's really, like, almost non-existent. Like, there's really, well, like... if you think about it, you're missing out on... No, and actually, you lost Miracle Kokoff because, obviously, he's now retired. Yep. You just missed out on King Mo because, as we heard earlier... Last week, he's retired. Amir Ali Akbar is going to the UFC as of yesterday, June the 7th. And obviously, you're missing Osunarashi Kentaro and Baruto Kaido Hoverson as well. 
and probably Bob Sapp too. So, yeah, there goes your fucking heavyweight division, pal. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But you know, we uh, what uh, this fight was like. This is what heavyweight fight should be. Also, I gotta say as well, uh, JQ's entrance, best entrance of the night, so awesome. Love Bloody Hearts saying, "Come and get your JQ." I don't know if anybody caught that. <laughs> um, also, I you know here's did did the audience know that he was Star Lord, or did they were they just did they were they were did they were they just like, why is this white guy dancing to this music? And saying words we don't know. Did, did any of you get the feeling that, that, that he, they didn't know he was Star Lord, the audience? Uh, probably not, because of course, you know, they don't watch that much English speaking media. But still. Even if it's, even if it's the Avengers? I can't figure the Avengers would be able to, like, Guardians of the Galaxy, Marvel was kind of like, can break through beyond just, like, you know, the regular English. Entertainment that we put out. Yeah, yeah, but still, all of the matter is, they were probably more surprised by the music selection of him. I see. And the way that he was dancing all the way up and down, I mean, down the ramp to the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, I got, um, you said you gave the third round to Rocky Martinez, right, uh, Dylan? Yeah. You see, I was agreeing with that at first. But then someone brought up, you know, the whole thing about damage came up. And I think during that round, other than that takedown, I think I think that uh, Hewn was punishing, was doing more damage to Martinez during that round. So I think that's why he was able to get the two judges to vote in his favor uh, to get that split decision win. I think that's why that happened. Um, yeah. And they agreed. Yeah. Said that with you. yeah. Um. By the way, we all picked Rocky Martinez to win, so we all did loot. This is another L that all three of us are taking. Uh, no offense yep. to Jay Kuhn, but we had our reasons for choosing Rocky Martinez. Uh, but yeah, it was a good performance either way, no matter who won. I think that would have been impressive. Um. Do, do what do you think of Jake Jay Kuhn's tension cartwheel kick that he tried? I know. Oh, I missed that the second round. Yeah, he tried it. Like, that you know, was awesome. I thought that was great. We need to see more of that. Um, especially with the big guys. Talk about big guys doing doing the uh, high spots uh, in a pro wrestling terms. Uh, yeah, JQ tried a uh, tried a cartwheel kick. Didn't work, but it was impressive nonetheless. Also, got asked as well. What do you think about JQ coming out in the leggings, not, uh, not shorts? Oh, you mean the wrestling tights? Yeah, the wrestling tights. That had to be yeah, that you know it was funny because. He was wearing wrestling uh, wrestling tights. Um, Rocky Martinez was wearing wrestling shoes. So yeah, I thought I noticed the shoes. Yeah. Um, uh, you got. He's you, a natural man, Jake. If he he's got a future in wrestling, if he ever wants to. I I gotta tell him that I'm gonna be interviewing him soon again about about this fight, and I gotta tell him that you would he's 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 a look for as a pro wrestler. He's got the personality. He's got the look. He's got the body. He could absolutely. Like, if he were to quit MMA and go into pro wrestling, I think he could be an incredible pro wrestler. Imagine putting him in, like, the All Japan, um, the, um, oh my god, uh, what's the tournament? The, the champion carnival. Yeah, putting him in the champion carnival. 
like if, if he gets a few years of experience in wrestling, he could be an incredible guy in like in like a, a Japanese wrestling thing. Um, uh, yeah, he, would probably, he would probably fit more toward the King's Roll style. I think so. I, I I think he I think he under that's the thing. He gets it. He he gets that part of MMA and that part of being entertaining where it doesn't become the only thing. It doesn't become a distraction. He knows he knows when to turn it on and when to turn it off. Um mm-hmm. I just I wish he did come out with a with a uh with the Star Lord mask though. That's the one thing I was disappointed with is that was, he just had the jacket. And he did the dance from the beginning of the movie, of the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movie. But I wish he had the mask as well. I thought that would have been cool. Um, but it's funny that, um, yeah, let's see, I'm just trying to think, let's see. Oh, did you know how Rocky Martinez broke his hand in the first round in this fight? Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, you said that he broke his hand in the first round. And uh, I wouldn't have known that if, not, if you had told me, unless you had told me that. He still, he's, I think it was his right hand that he, that he broke. And he still wound up using that hand, um, which when I went to go back look at the fight, it made it even more hard to watch because he's punching him with his broken hand, and that's oof, that was. Ugh. Um, trying to think of what else. Um, oh, um, I think also why Jay Kuhn got got the win as well. So in the second round, he got he split open uh, Rocky Martinez under the eye, and remember they stopped yeah. the fight. And you know yep. that definitely did have effect on, on I think, on the fights, on the uh, judging, um, and they even mentioned yep. on commentary because, um, yeah, you know, uh, you get split open, and you know that 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 damage is gonna they're gonna be like, oh, this guy's this guy's bleeding, three or four points extra for the other guy. Um, I think you could have given the case for Jake to win the second and the first round. Yes. Uh, and if you gave if you gave him the third round, then he got all three. But I thought Martinez had a good finish to the sh- to the fight. And if you look at him at the end of the show, when he had him in the half guard after the takedown, he was using his elbows more than his hands. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know it's funny as well. Jake Hewn reversed. He was able to sweep um, Rocky Martinez right. Maybe like three or two seconds before the round ended, so I don't know. Yep. I wonder if that also had an effect. That must have also had an effect on the judging as well. The fact that he was able to uh, to do that to get that uh, sweep as well. Um, but uh, we all got to mention this was Rocky Martinez's last fight on his rising contract. He was hoping to go out with a great a great win, you know. So you know there'd be more negotiating power for whoever I guess uh, he'd be negotiating with. Obviously. That doesn't happen now. So I have a question. What do you think happens with Rocky after this fight, uh, Dylan? I thought he had a really good performance here, even despite the loss. Uh, he's somebody that we talked about in the, on the last uh, show, the previous show, when we were speculating where he could go if he would have a home in American promotion or back in Ryzen. I think they should want him back. Uh, you know, it just depends on how far they're going to go with this heavyweight division in Ryzen. Uh, to me, if they, but if they want to keep doing that and keep bringing heavyweights up, they should definitely find a way to bring him back. Uh, otherwise, I think he should get a look at least in the American side. I would have to agree to disagree because him being from Guam, it would be hell trying to get all the way back to the continental U.S. trying to fight. You know, I didn't even take that into consideration. That's a good point. I mean, yeah, because he lives in Guam, which obviously is like, what, about 
a full day ahead in time. Yeah. Just, just schedule, and, scheduling interviews of him is horrendous because I got to do them at like 6 a.m. Because it's like, whatever, it's like evening or whatever time it is there. One yeah. of the Marvel, buddy. <laughs> Love that one. But still, point of the matter is, it would be hard for him trying to, you know, get from Guam to the continental U.S., knowing that he used to live in Federal Way, Washington, which is in the Pacific Northwest, but still... I think the best spot for him would be in deep because he's their current Megaton champion. Even though there's not really that many challengers for him, I think he would do better fighting there. And, you know, if there are any potential big fights, you know, hopefully Ryzen will sign him back and, you know, use him as much as they can. Now, Jay Kuhn says, now he said this in the uh, post-fight interview, and you can see on the Ryzen uh, YouTube page. Um, he said he wants Vitaly Shematov next. Yes! Oh, yeah! Dylan, are you familiar with the uh, the internet fame of Vitaly Shematov? Yeah, he followed me on Twitter. Like I said, so I, 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 I always give Shematov props. Mm-hmm. Um, as... I would happily welcome that fight. Is all I can say. The only thing is that I, I my understanding is that is that Shemitov's hopeful, I guess, um, journey into Ryzen has stalled a bit. I'm not so sure why, um, but as of now, he's not. I don't think he's going to be booked on. I don't think he'll be booked on Ryzen 17. Though it's funny, July, um, JQ did say he wants to be booked on the Saitama show. Um, I don't know if he will be, considering the beating that he did take in this in this match and such the sh- and kind of short turnaround. I don't know if I recommend that, but um, I think Jake Hune, Vitaly Shemitov is the way is the fight to make USA versus Russia. Great way to introduce yeah. him into Ryzen. They really need to make this fight happen because obviously, look at Shemitov. He hasn't been fighting in, what, almost a year, two years? The dude's been wanting to fight in Ryzen for as long as there has been a Ryzen fighting fest. Exactly. not fighting in, I mean, on a Ryzen card, it's a damn shame. Because I think that if he does get put onto the Ryzen fighting federation roster, he could do some serious damage. Not to mention as well, he's incredibly entertaining as well. He is, he is a yeah. he's a he's a he's a personality and I I admire his tenacity in wanting to fight for Ryzen. Uh that that cannot be said enough. Um great fight overall. Um just just like this was a great, great fight overall and both guys came in and delivered. Um, um it's funny because they it seemed like they had a gentleman's agreement that they wouldn't go for any takedowns, but it looked like Rocky Martinez near the end was like, Okay, I'm not. It's hard to knock this guy out with a broken hand. So maybe I can get him on the ground and at least knock him out that way. So you know, I don't fall Rocky Martinez for you know going to a takedown when 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 he thought it might help him win. But you know what? This wasn't a case of two heavyweights getting tired and laying on each other. I'll say that they both brought it. Both props to both guys and especially JQ for getting his first big major win in a long time. Want to go on to the next fight, Christian? Uh, yes. 
And obviously, this fight happened after, what, about a 40-minute intermission? No, this one was 20 minutes. This one was at least a little bit shorter. Oh, okay. Well, I probably wouldn't know because I didn't get a chance to see the fight all the way through due to the fact that I was knocked the fuck out. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. We, I mean, obviously, myself and Dylan were both in the central time zone. And this fight happened at, like, what, 5 a.m. at the very least? It must have been 6, it was 6 a.m. for me. How do you think I feel? I know, I know. But I was basically trying to, you know, stay up all night, just balance through it. I mean, I even had to lock my door just to make sure nobody interrupted me. But still, I was bored throughout that fight. And I was trying to charge up my phone, too, because my phone battery was dying. But still, it was hard to stay up for these last three fights. But I tried to muscle through. I tried. Keyword. And, of course, the first fight was, I mean, the first fight of these final three was a generational gap matchup. As Miyu Yamamoto, the 44-year-old former amateur wrestling world champion, defeated Kana Asakura. The former Ryzen Anime Grand Prix winner via unanimous decision. Of course, Miyu's record is now five and three overall. Asakura's record, no, Miyu's record, of which now she's forty-four years old, five and three overall. And Kana Asakura is now fourteen and four at the age of twenty-one. But still, and I'm going to try and get to the post-fight comments. I know you probably got some comments from her a little later, I mean, to discuss about. But still, the comments for Miyu Yamamoto, because Kana Asakura did not provide any, she told Miyu that he wants her to get into the habit of winning. Miyu said that she's sad, and she thinks about what he said every day, but he wants to prove that his faith was warranted. In other words, she wasn't happy that she didn't finish her opponent, as usual, but she was grateful to get the win, her fifth decision victory, by the way. All five of her wins have come by a decision. And along with her son, Erson, keep the Yamamoto family, family legacy running strong. This was from Kara L. Fan on Twitter. So, I just have to ask, and... I know that we want to talk about Miyu Yamamoto possibly getting an anime title shot, but come on. With decision victories, we all know that's few and far between, but... Dylan, what do you do think? You think? Oh, sorry. I mean, sorry. Do you think that the Yamamoto family are improving in Ryzen, despite the fact that mother and son have different records? And do you think that Kana Asakura... I mean, do you think that this was a setback for Connor? What do you think, Dylan? Listen, uh, if you listen to the last, uh, last time's show, uh, I mentioned that Mama Mura had the, or uh, Mama Moto had the uh, physical advantage of this matchup. Uh, despite being older, uh, she was much more, uh, she had much more size on her side here and more strength, which I think was fully on display in this fight, which. Uh, like you said, I can understand, uh, you know, for me, you understand, 5 a.m. for me might as well be noon for most moments. 
I'm completely on Japanese time right now, pretty much. So I, I had no problem staying away from this. And I was actually really looking forward to this fight because I wanted to see what Miyu would do. Um, in terms of if it's a setback for Asakura, you know, there's no... Yamamoto is just not even ranked, you know? you know, uh, Even though I predicted her to win on the last episode. Uh, she's somebody that, for Asakura, who's a big project of Ryzen, and someone that's very highly ranked in the in the uh, atom weight division, there's just no way you can say it wasn't a setback, I feel like. But I think Yamamoto was an underrated fighter for her style. She had a, a, she has an amazing pure wrestling background that I thought she would use, and she did use in this fight. Um, really, the only thing that came, the only time I thought Asakura was on the right path was in the third round when she was looking for a Kimura attempt. But unfortunately, uh, Yamamoto actually had a very nifty escape out of it. And in the end, uh, you know, the, the triangle, the, the uh, Kimura attempts didn't work, basically. Yamamoto escaped. And it was a very one-sided fight, I felt like, for Yamamoto. Asakura would have a little bit here and there, but it wasn't a great performance, I, I felt like, uh, for her at all. And I definitely think it was a setback uh, overall. Yamamoto getting a title shot? Uh, it, it just depends on uh, where they go with that, but for uh, she's on a winning streak right now, and I think her style would provide trouble uh, if they were to put her in. What yeah. do you think? Uh, well, here's the thing. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase what uh, Striga said during the Best of the Super Juniors, um, one of the review shows, where uh, that when you were oh, yeah. talking about Bushi, and then uh, he said this was a. <laughs> yeah. This was a very bushy match. Um, i trying to remember which match it was. But I remember he said that. And I'm going to say that this was a very Miyu Yamamoto match. Um, yeah, totally. Totally played to her style completely. Exactly. Uh, it's a style that you either like or you don't like. Um, as somebody who likes finishes, um, it's not my favorite style. I can admire someone whose wrestling ability is so good and out of this world, but who uses to uses to basically like to set up a finish, I think is a lot more impressive. The problem is that if I feel like Miyu is afraid is not afraid to finish, but she's afraid to put her in a position that where if she could finish, that she might get she might get finished herself. You know, we still see that she still gets caught in submission sometimes. Um and that's her. That's her. That's her Achilles' heel. Is that it's just her submission game? Is that she can still get caught in them? She's getting out of them, but she's still getting caught in them. And yeah, we saw that third round with the triangle. Exactly. And you know, you know, if you were to fight, I don't know, if you were to fight a Ayaka Hamazaki or Coe Ham, you know, who's to say that they that that they you know you know that they could that they would be able to actually lock in the submissions faster than Kana Azakura did. Um, I think uh, I thought could have been more aggressive in general. In that's true. Uh, that's I, true. That's yeah. true as well. Um, I mean, does Miyu get a shot? I mean, based on the fact that she has won, I guess you would have to just go by that. But if, if fights were judged by how exciting or the finish is, she would absolutely not deserve it. But I mean, who? I mean, the only other person was that um, was uh, Seo Hee Ham, who was on, who said that she'd be fighting. 
Um, and I'm guessing that you, they would bring her in. So if it's not Miu, it's got to be uh, Ham. Um, and we'll get into more detail that, about the next fight. But um, I guess uh, if you're not going to do Ham, you kind of just have to do Miu by, uh, by process of elimination. Reyna has got her uh, got her Bellator fight this week. So, you know, I don't think she would be in time for, you know, depending on how that fight goes, she may not be ready for a title fight in Ryzen. Um uh, I don't think you want to. Uh, oh, actually, here's the thing as well. Uh, uh, well, you know, depending on uh, you, that's the thing as well. There's that. Um, if uh, Ayaka is uh, Ayaka is still champ, you know, they're not going to fight because they're training partners. So that's not going to happen. Uh, you don't. Ha I don't think Kana Azakura obviously lost this fight, so you don't put her up against uh, um, uh, Hamazaki again. I mean, there's really not a lot of people, uh, a lot, a lot yeah. of women to really. Put him up against. Did I think this fight was boring? No, but I thought this fight was just meh. Like I said, it was a very Miyu fight. She fought up to her strengths. I'm disappointed that she's not finishing people because Zazwa is setting her apart from what I'm thinking is is. I said this before in the preview show. This is to, for her to get a finish is when she fully becomes a, a real, true blood MMA fighter. Until then, she's just wrestling. She just she just it's it's. It's the, it's the, uh, what was it, the, um, what Olympics, was it the, um, was she in the 94 Olympics, 95, 96? Uh, no, she wasn't in either set of Olympics, 92 or 96 that she could have been in. She was just an amateur, she was just an amateur world champion, to be oh. quite honest with Oh, you. I thought she, I thought, wasn't she in the, I thought she tried out for the Olympics, or at least was a, was an Olympics team for Japan. She was just a highly skilled amateur world champion. I mean, she also was a part of that. I mean, she also did an amateur wrestling exhibition as part of that Big Egg card back on November 20th, 1994, that also featured Aja Kong versus Akira Hokuto, if I'm not mistaken, and Bull Nakano versus Salundra Blaze. Wow, she was on that? Yep. That that probably didn't make tape then. They probably didn't have yeah, that. Actually, actually, it did. Roy Lucier has the video for it. I'll probably share it to you guys after the show is over. Okay. Yeah. I've watched the Big Egg before. I've seen the, the entire ten-hour show of the Big Egg, and I don't remember yeah. that. I really don't remember that. We're we're talking about we're we're talking about this. this we're talking, we are talking about the same show, right? The All Japan Women show that drew like yeah, yep. 20,000, 30,000 people, whatever the fuck it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow, I don't remember that. Holy shit. I really honestly, God, don't remember that. Uh, but going back to the fight, um, I mean, yeah, there's, who else do you pick to go, go up against, uh, against the champion? There's really nobody else. Um, but yeah, like I said, you know, uh, you know, Ayaka, I mean, not Ayaka, uh, Miyu wrest wrestles, she fights to her strengths, and that is created in the grappling wrestling department, and she's a good striker, I'll say that, she is good at striking, but she's not, she, she's still, wrestling is her bread and butter, and, you know, I really hope that her, for her next fight is all I can say is that she tries to finish, I hope she tries to finish. Christian, any thoughts? Yeah, I Oh, sorry, Dylan. I enjoyed. My, yeah, I just want to say that I really enjoyed this style. It reminded me of Rings mm -hmm. uh, back there. Uh, so I'm a fan of hers and a fan of her style. I was very excited for this fight going in. 
Uh, but I can see where uh, you would say that if you're a fan of more exciting and spectacular finishes, she I don't know if she'll ever be able to be to be that because I think ultimately kind of what I mentioned a little bit with Hyatt earlier that ultimately a lot of times I feel like as a fighter you go you always revert back to who you are at your core especially somebody who's in their 40s like she is I think she is who she is in her case she's in her mid 40s yeah exactly I uh, also just want to mention both her and her son uh, it was mentioned that that I'd only that neither have both won on a card that they were both on, and this is the first time that they both won. Uh, her son being Ursan, of course. Um, so, first, come to think of it, if I'm if I'm reminded correctly, aren't they the first mother son duo to win on a to win both of their fights on a professional MMA card? It has to be. It absolutely has to be. I don't know. I can't think of any other. Any other MMA card ever where a mother and son have been on the show uh, at the same time, you know? Maybe in like rural Iowa or something, it happened, you know? <laughs> but not on a major MMA card such as this. Uh, if and if there is anybody who knows, let me know. Um, there's so funny that there's people out there who know like, uh, who uh, who know who like have knowledge of like the littlest professional MMA promotions in like. Hawaii, uh, not Hawaii, but like in California and like in Nevada, yeah. and uh, like they'll they, like they'll know. There's people out there that will know, but as far as I know, this is the uh, this is the uh, the first time it's ever happened. Um, but um, yeah, that's that's all. I have to, what about Kana Azakura? What do you do with her next? What do you think, Dylan? Oh, uh, like I said, I think just like I said earlier, I feel like losing to somebody who is unranked. Uh, and who is twice your age, uh, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, and she lost to her. I think you, you have to consider that a pretty big setback. Uh, but the good thing that for her is what you just mentioned. Essentially that this division is not overwhelming with talent. So she can, she can only drop so far. And she's still a project of Ryzen to me. Mm -hmm. So I think she'll still get more chances going forward uh, easily. And she's still very young as well. So I, I look for her to bounce back. Uh, as soon as she can, but right now this just wasn't her fight. I actually just uh, bring up rankings on commentary. They mentioned rankings. I don't know if you heard this, but they did mention rankings. Uh, that Ryzen does have rankings, and I was like, wait, what? I never heard that in my entire life. So I went on Twitter to ask, what are they talking about with Ryzen rankings? And then uh, Shingo and someone else on MMA mentioned to me that uh, that uh, they were talking about Sherdog. And tapology rankings, and, I'm, and I was thinking, are those rankings really accurate? I don't think they are. Yamamoto wasn't even ranked. Uh, uh, those exactly. Yeah, I don't really take Sherdog and tapology rankings. Well, maybe more tapology than Sherdog, but like when it comes to JMMA, I don't know if I really take that the Western media rankings. That that with that much um, with that with that much salt. Um, I mean, kind of think of it. Western media. I mean, no disrespect. We are Western media. We are living in the Western Hemisphere, but Western MMA media don't really give two flying fucks about Japanese MMA, especially Rising. Yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm a little bit I'm a little bit suspect when it comes to uh, Sure Dog. Rankings. Tapology, I'll give a little bit of, of leeway since they like 
they're like the Bible of like MMA. So <laughs> I'll I'll give them a little pass. But uh, I have nothing more to say in this fight, Christian. Anything else, or you want to move on to the next fight? Uh, well, when it comes down to me, you, I really hope that she can improve on her striking because she's basically still upset that she's not getting finishes. She's basically not winning via finish. It's about damn time she starts. It's about damn time she starts, you know, ushering up the strength of her baby brother and start kneeing the shit out of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. And as for Tyler Asakura. It's just a minor setback. I'm pretty sure she'll bounce back as quickly as she can because knowing that her boyfriend is probably one of the biggest draws in Ryzen right now, if not in the entire combat sports world, you know, east of the Pacific Ocean, I mean, west of the Pacific Ocean, I'm pretty sure that, you know, Kyler is going to be, you know, a force to be reckoned with soon. She just needs to bounce back. You know, try and find a way back into Ryzen's good graces, and who knows? Maybe she'll probably get an Adamway title shot if Zioki Hom doesn't get it. Well, doesn't make it a champion versus champion fight, which would be the dream match. Or if Miyu can't get it because of the way she wins her fights. Yeah, yeah. Um. Speaking I of, mean, wouldn't that be a nice little reversal of fortune that Kyler would lose that fight, but still get another crack at the anime title? Oh yeah, super title in this case. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a, that'd be that'd be some reversal of fortune. Um, New Japan booking, right? Uh, losing yeah. It. yeah, no shit, pal. Speaking of uh, the anime title, I think we should talk about the next fight. Ah uh, yes. Of course, this was a rematch dating back to their fight at Invicta FC 19 in the summer of 2016. But, unfortunately, even though the challenger came out to the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful strands of the Pride FC theme, Jin Yu Flay, the native of North Texas, Arlington, Texas more specifically, didn't really... Um, she fought hard, but she didn't really have a game plan for Ayaka Hamasaki, as Hamasaki, who is now 18-2 overall, defeated Jin Yufrei, 8-4, via unanimous decision to nip their rivalry in the bud to nil. From Combat Press, Ayaka Hamasaki has won 18 of her 20 professional belts with victories over many of the best names in the sports and in the animate division overall. Hopefully her third bout with Road FC champion Skelty Hom materializes at Rise 17. My writer's notice part of the MMA opinion. Credit to Frey for keeping her composure for three rounds against Hamasaki despite the loss. Hopefully this partnership between Invicta is more than a one-off. As for Hom versus Ayaka 3 sign my ass up. This would be a nice little scrap to determine who is the best animate in the world. Because, of course, you don't really count Invicta animates unless you count Gen Frey. Plus, Miyu needs to get a finisher three before even thinking of sniffing a title shot, even though she doesn't have any space left for error because she's 44 years old. Her biological clock is ticking. Oh, and uh, by the way, this was Ayaka's first defense, and she 
successfully retained her title. So I have to ask, even though I know this seems like a broken record, do you think that Ayaka Hamasaki versus Siohi Han 3 is worth the money? And do you think that Jin Yu Frey done her best to represent Invicta to the fullest in this fight? Uh, Dylan, what, I'll, I'll defer to you first. Well, just talking on the fight here, we just saw an upset, a lot of people said, even though I predicted it. Uh, I thought that this match was a good fight for Frey. Uh, I thought the first round, Hamazaki looked awesome, uh, just technically. She did a lot of stuff where she would play around with her stance and the way she moved around the ring. I thought it was really just beautiful how she just moved around pretty much. Uh, she had some great counters as well. Uh, I thought she was winning pretty easily the first round. Uh, she got a, a Frey got a big punch near the end, but uh, so I gave the first round to Hamasaki. The second round, they uh, turned up the pace a little bit, and I thought Frey started to have a better round. Uh, she got a great counter punch at one point uh, as well. I thought that was a really good round for Frey, and it led to a climactic third round, or what we thought it would be, but Hamasaki just. Uh, Got a very nice judo throw early on that I thought was uh, very, very good. And Hamazaki definitely closed it out the third round. So I thought Frey did a good job, but Hamazaki definitely won the fight uh, overall. I gave two rounds to one for Hamazaki. Um, in terms of the Ham fight, uh, you know, I'd like to see that. You know, this this division is not that deep. And like I said, Yamamoto just... Uh, I think her style would be give Hamasaki fits because it would be something so different than something what, like what Frey just gave her. But I think Ham would be a more a bigger drawing fight, so to speak, for, for Hamasaki. What do you think of the fight, Andrew, and about Ham? Um, this fight bored me. Yeah. It was not... This was... Jin, Jin Yu Frey was... I don't, like... If this was your first fight seeing her, if you someone told you that this was the Invicta champion, um, and that you know told you her record, um, eight and one I think it was at the time, and um, uh, that this person you know you know was winning against Hamazaki in the first fight, I'd be like, oh, okay, let me see the second fight, and then you come to this fight and be like, wait, this is the person who you're talking about? You didn't get the you got, are you sure you were maybe thinking of somebody else? Jin Yu Frey did not look at all like a game fighter. And I don't know if it's because of travel, the weight cut, whatever the, whatever it was, I have no idea. But she, I don't know what her game plan was, but it sucked or was non-existent. Maybe both, who knows. Um, I just thought Hamasaki looked awesome. Uh, I thought she looked way above her oh. in the first and third round. I, th I thought Frey, I, I thought she did a better job in the second round. Uh, she got a great counter, uh, I thought. Um, but the third yeah. round, I mean, like right away, she got her in the judo position. Yes. Or the judo throw. That was beautiful. And I mean, it was basically, I was basically on point afterwards. She even turned it into a crucifix at one point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. See, so to me, Hamasaki, the first round, I loved what she did with her uh, how she switched her stance and the way she moved around the ring. Uh, the first and third rounds were completely dominant, so I thought Frey looked better in the second. Yeah. But oh, I no. think the third round, it was like, she shut it down right that, away. That judo throw was, was beautiful. That, that was a beautiful yeah. judo throw. Um, but even Hamazaki, I don't know if she was coasting 
or she was playing safe because it was her first title defense, but she wasn't even that, like, the Hamazaki that, like, I'm used to, and uh, even one who goes to, when they go to a distance. Um, she just seemed to be playing safe, um, in my personal eyes. Um, regarding Seo Ham. Um, I welcome, you know, I think the, when they fight last, like in 2014, 2015, it was quite a number of years ago. Um, and I know, and I know that Hamazaki defeated her both times. Um, but I would not be opposed to a third fight. Different organization. Uh, Ham, uh, has been, has much better fire now. She has earned the nickname Hamderlay for a reason. Um, she is Road FC, um, Anaboy champion. Um, I think that would be a much, a very compelling fight. Um, I apologize, uh, what was the other question that you had, Christian? Uh, I basically what I asked, as far as, now wait a minute, you already asked, you already answered about Jin Yu Fury, right? No, uh, Ham I already asked about, already answered. Oh, okay, well, all I was asking was, do you think that Jin Yu Fury done well as a representative of Invicta? Oh, fuck no. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. If I was Caitlyn Young, I'd have a stern talking of her um, when she gets back to America. If you were standing up, you would probably have a stern talking to her. Exactly, yeah. Um, no, no, absolutely not. Um, yeah. Um, I know that, uh, I, I, I know that, that I, I know, uh, like, I know that Frey is a good fighter. But like I don't know what the fuck was what, what, what was she, what, what was her whole thing here was she was she was she tentative because she was in an environment did she not want to get cut like in the first fight and lose risk losing it that way I just saw a very tentative very very uh, a fighter who I'm trying I'm tr I tried to think of what her game plan was but I have no idea what it was so she was probably trying her best not to do too much because. For starters, this was her first fight in a ring as opposed yeah. to a cage. Yeah. And secondly, she was fighting outside the U.S. for the first time as well, so she didn't know what the hell she was getting herself into. Yeah, you're probably right, but you know, you just, you gotta let those, I know it's hard, I know it's hard, but this is why they have sports psychologists. Um, you gotta have, you gotta be able to deal with that. Um, also probably the biggest fight of her career as well in terms of, of, of the amount of people she, she's fought in front of. Um, and especially because, you know, let's be honest, Invicta is basically a, fa a, a farm for the UFC's women's, uh, for their various women's divisions. Uh, this could have been well, a... Well, with the exception of the animate and lightweight division that Invicta has. Yeah, but here's the thing, like, you know, even if she, if she, if she, if she did well in this, in this, um, fight, you know, UFC could be like, hey, uh, Jean Frey, we need somebody... For uh, we need somebody to fight Cyborg. You want to you want to fight Cyborg? Um, we need somebody to feed to the Boogie Woman, Joanna Yamshechik. Exactly. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I know that UFC doesn't have an am weight women's and weight division, and probably will never. I don't think. But you know what? That doesn't mean that an opportunity can still come up. Um, for so she ruined that opportunity as well. She ruined the opportunity as a representative of Invicta, as a, as a former champion of Invicta. As well. well oh, sorry. She's gonna be current champ. Even worse, current champion of Invicta. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. She um. This was not a good outing for her. I'll tell you the truth. 
don't want to see her back in Ryzen for quite a while. Um, let her defend that that that, that, that Invicta Championship. Um, hey, you know what'd be funny? Imagine if they if they ha do a, another match. They bring Ayaka Hamazaki over back to America to fight Frey for the Invicta Championship. Think about that. Uh, yeah, that would be crazy to be honest, but it would also make Dana White it would also make Dana White envious because of the fact that one of the promotions that he has full video library ownership of basically is getting into bed, pardon the pun, with JMMA. Oh, and yeah. a promotion that he I mean and a person from a promotion he thought he put out of business. That's funny, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure that Invicta would not be happy if they lost, you know, oh, the, 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 the Ayaka, who vacates the championship to go to Ryzen, comes back, defeats uh, uh, Frey for the championship again, and then goes back off to Japan. That would not look good on, on Invicta's part. Um, yeah, especially if Jin Yu Frey loses twice to that woman. Yeah. As you know, it would be a third time. It would be a probably what's going to happen with... There, which is probably what's going to happen next weekend when Darian Crookshank faces off against Kiyoshi Horiguchi, might I add. <laughs> Wait, what? Darren, Darren, you mean Darren Caldwell? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Darren Caldwell. Darian Caldwell. I was, my bad. I was my like, bad. wow. Who, someone told, I didn't know about Crookshank fighting Kiyoji, but... Um, I mean, come on, man. Uh, my brain's a little bit messed up. I got you. But, um... Yeah, you know, I guess you know the next fight to make is Ayaka versus Miyu or Ayaka versus Ham. If you if you want before Miyu, um, I guess those are the two fights you gotta make. We just kind of talked about that before, so yeah, I think that's that's the direction you go in with a uh, with a title defense is against either Ham or uh, Miyu. Nobody else I can think of really. Um, I mean, yeah, because. Who is there really in the strongweight division for Ryzen? I mean, in the anti-weight division for Ryzen, all of their fighters are pretty much belonging to other promotions, like Tiny Tim, Malia, Gar I mean, Lisa Garcia. Yeah, but the main thing is that they don't have records. They don't have the wins that make me go, "Oh yeah, it's the um, it's what it's it's what uh, they deserve a title shot." And I know there's a big there's a big disconnect, you know, with JMA fans were. There are some that want records to be the overall deciding matters in, in title fights, while others are saying it's not uh, records don't matter, wins and losses don't matter, it's the story that matters. Um, so like you know, it's I, I guess I guess the odd the story to if you want to go by records, Miu is the next fight to make. If you want the, if you want to go by story, then Han would be the next one to uh, make. Um, if that's the direction we're gonna go in. Mm -hmm. Any other thoughts? I'm I'm all I'm all out of thoughts for this uh, lackluster match. I thought Hamazaki was really good, and uh, I I think technically she was good. If you want excitement, then no. But I think from a technical perspective, she did good to me. Um, but yeah, I'll also add that uh, Dylan and I both uh, we both picked Hamazaki on this, and you got the L on this one, Christian. <laughs> I I know you had to go with your fellow Texan. Uh, but, uh, you know, this was a time where, uh, the, 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 uh, the tagline, don't mess with Texas. Unfortunately, Hamazaki messed with Texas and destroyed Texas. 
not only did she mess with Texas, she pretty much nipped it in the bud. Exactly. And if we want to talk about destroying and nipping the bud, I think we should talk about the main event. You know what? All I gotta say is, no. All I gotta say is, tension wins. LOL. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry. I have to play this because I'm so biased when it comes to tension not the Oh, you don't have to be. Even Frank Trigg was like, I don't even like tension's gonna win this. Like, Frank Trigg was like, yeah. Frank Frank Trigg was throwing shade at Martin Blanco the entire time. <laughs> yeah, I bet he. I bet he was. He has every right to because of. Tension is now yeah. the ISKA Bantamweight Champion. Is that correct? No, 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 no. You're wrong. You're up a weight class. Oops. I mean, you're down a weight class, but you're wrong. Blanco, the current Bantamweight Champion of the International Sport Kickboxing Association, is only... Well, actually, he didn't lose that title because he still... He still had to come up 10 pounds in order to fight on this, I mean, in order to fight this guy on such short, no, very short, might I, but Nascawa is now the new ISKF featherweight kickboxing world champion, which is 126 pounds, 57 kilos, and with the win tension now improves to 32 and 0 with 25 knockout, Blanco drops down to 8-2. Um, you know what? They should have just given him the bandweight title as well. I know it wasn't for the title, but they should have just they should have just hand it to him as well. Be like, here, take this. You 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 probably win it anyway. Um, right, right. So, win. Lol. So yeah, apparently Ahmed Faraji supposedly uh ran away uh declined the fight um uh, like a week or two before the actual fight. He disputes that. I'm not going to get into that because we already talked about it on, on the Companion Podcast. Uh, but even though, Dylan, we didn't have you on the Companion Podcast where we did talk about this this match, I'm pretty sure you had tension to win, I hope, right? Yeah. Listen, my upsets came through for me. Uh, I, I feel like, uh, you know, in terms of my predictions with Musaev and Miyu Yamamoto, but I, I wouldn't have been, you would have had to be crazy. <laughs> to pick against tension here. And it kind of impacted the fight for me because 
I was just waiting for the finish, <laughs> pretty much. I was like, Tension's going to win this. Greg Trigg was telling me the whole time, Tension's going to win this. So I, I was just waiting for it. The only thing I noted really, um, well, a couple things. Uh, right when Blanco finally started to land a little bit, he got checked for the cut in the second round. And if you notice the kick that, that the disgusting uh, kick that he just laid on him that made him fold in half, pretty much. He actually went for that same kick in the first round, yeah. and Blanco blocked it. Yeah. But the second time around, he wasn't able to block it. And when he hit it, it was as soon as he connected, it was all over. Actually, funny enough, the one loss that, that Blanco had, he lost in the exact same way. A knee to the uh, solar plexus. Um, yeah, yeah, he blocked that same move in the first round, but uh, he, just, he, he was slacking in the second round. Um, you know, the funny thing is, though, I'll say this. I think that Blanco did win the first round. I think that Blanco actually, really? I think that Blanco actually, like, delivered, connected more punches to, ten, to tension. I mean, obviously, it didn't matter in the end, you know, uh, but I thought that he actually may have won that first round, uh, if you're, if we're going to go by scoring. Um, I thought he started off the right way. He had some good combos yes. that he landed on. Uh, he, he started the fight off in the right way. Uh, but regardless, whether this was a uh, whether Bongo took this fight on a week's notice or a year's notice, I think the outcome would have been the same, nonetheless. Um, I mean, what uh, else there is to say? They call attention to Femom for a reason. Uh-huh. I mean, so um, obviously, I don't think we'll see Bongo back in Ryzen. I think we could all agree on that, probably. Props to him for taking this fight on such short notice. Uh, at least, because this is a, this was a tough fight for him, but hey, he got to be in the main event, so you can't knock that. That's true. Um, yeah, and he was made famous by Tension Asakawa. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, what's now with Tension? He's got the Rise Tournament next month. Uh, he'll be uh, facing uh, Suikim, a uh, rematch that the two have had um, before. Uh, and, and- and not to mention, he's got an exhibition bout against Koki Kabit. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, well, so, what, what, tension and Ryzen, what do you do next with him? Do you, yeah, here's, actually, before I, before you, anyone asks that. So, someone, like, basically, what I've seen is that Ryzen basically gives tension his tune-up matches for his bigger matches that happen in Rise. I mean, with the exception, of course, of Floyd Mayweather and, and Kyoji Horiguchi. But it seems like most, it seems like most of his Ryzen matches have been tuna fights or people that are of less kickboxing experience. I'll say. But uh, Dylan, I'll pose a question to you. What do you do for tension? Uh, presuming that it's a kickboxing um, affair, what do you do next for him with Ryzen? Yeah, you know, when it comes to tension right now, to me. He is like the top star of Ryzen, uh, in my opinion, their top draw in a lot of ways. Definitely up there as one of them. I don't know what they, what they could do next because either of these opponents were really, like you said, more like tune-up fights, more so than big deals. Like even if Faraji had stayed, you know, it wouldn't have been a huge marquee fight other than having tension in there. So I feel like maybe they'll just do more of that and have these lower-ranked guys with a kickboxer. I wonder if they're maybe maybe preparing him for more of an MMA, uh, maybe give him a run in that of some sort, or a match of that at least. Uh, it's hard to tell what their plans are exactly or what their goals are to accomplish with 
before you can predict that. But well, I, I, like I said, it just depends. Well, the thing is that he has said that he's not interested in doing MMA as of right now. Yeah. So, um, and actually, you know, the funny thing is some people did think that he lost his last, uh, the last MMA match that he had against uh, Yamato Fujita. Uh, and so, ever since then, he has not taken any MMA matches. Um, I think they would... Pro- but he does have, when it comes down to his MMA career, three finishes, two via knockout, one via... Yes. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Um, I was just wondering if maybe they were trying to prepare him more for that to give it that a go again. I know he had a mixed rules about too. Yes. Uh, at one point. So. Which in America they didn't even go beyond the kickboxing, <laughs> the kickboxing rounds. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So it was practically like a kickboxing fight, really. But I like a lot of these fights they're giving him though aren't that impressive, uh, like, like to me. Uh, you know. So uh, hopefully they can give him somebody better next time. If they, especially if we're putting him in a main event. Give him somebody of a rise caliber, you know, because I feel like Rise gives him better opponents than Rise does. Oh yeah, they oh, Rise absolutely does. Um, problem is, excuse me, the one opponent that he had that actually would have been a compelling rematch is signed with one now. So. Yeah, your, your favorite promotion, Christian. So prop uh, that that's uh that's Rao Tang. Um, those that don't know. So, uh, and uh, the funny thing is that a lot of people thought that Rod Tang won in their kickboxing match. But until they have a rematch, of uh, which probably... Actually, Rod Tang was supposed to be in the Rise tournament that's supposed to be next month, but uh, one pulled him out, um, I'm pretty sure, because um, um, they, had th- they had their plans for him. But um, that's the one compelling um, match, uh, kickboxing match that could have been done. Um, for Ryzen, obviously, and it's, it's it's brought up many times. But the fight to make is against Takaru Sagawa, which I don't know now. Sorry, Christian. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. Takaru but, versus Tension is definitely a fight they need to make. But isn't there one little hurdle? Uh, that's in K1, and that K1 is, um, I think it's involved with a lawsuit of Ryzen. Yep, absolutely. I think there's still, I think that, oh. I think that lawsuit's, yeah, um, no, not that one that you're thinking of. It's a, it's a K1 thing, I think. Um, you know, I remember we talked about this, um, when the, four, uh, during, uh, I forgot which show it was, but, um, if the Floyd match didn't work out, the the match that Ryzen was looking to make was Tension versus Kaito Ono. Um, which I don't know. Are you familiar with Kaito Ono, Dylan? No. Okay, Kaito Ono is is a shoot boxer. He's with shoot boxing. He's done two kickboxing matches with Ryzen, um, and he had an incredible knockout in his uh, first one at Ryzen 11. Actually, he took the fight on maybe a day or two's notice as well because that fu- was that no, was that him that took the day, or was it Usa Strong that took the? Uh, I think it was Usa. No wait, I think they both took it on. Uh, they they both took it on uh, because remember the uh, they had one fight that that was canceled because uh, Ring Nakai was like died or like almost died during uh, weight cutting. Yeah. He had a hard time passing. So yeah, and so they uh, so they they had a they they put on a kickboxing match I think at the last minute to just uh, pat the card and uh, Kaito Ono made a very impressive debut. 
The thing is that though, he fights at featherweight, and he's like five foot ten, five foot eleven. So I do not know if that would be the smartest match to make for tension, considering the weight, the obvious weight and height difference. Even though that might be like the one, if you want to do a compelling matchup, that's the one to make. Um. What about Justin Scoggins? Do you think Justin Scoggins will, will take the fight with tension, Christian? Yeah, probably so. I mean, he's been wanting that fight to happen for the longest amount of time. I think we can agree, though. Top Noy doesn't get it at this point, at least. Um, I think we mentioned that before. Um, I don't know. It's like, I guess we'll have to see you after this Rise show, presuming he wins it, um, which I think is probably what... Uh, Everybody's banking on. I mean, after that, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Ryzen's going to step up Manny Pacquiao exhibition match with Tension. Who knows? I have no idea. Pac-Man versus Tension? Yeah. Uh, or maybe Connor. Who knows? I, have... I just got to mention him. <laughs> like, so I was like, how much money do you think it would take to get Connor to fight him? Uh, hmm. I don't know. A cool, a cool few million, probably, I guess. Um, I mean, Connor did say he wanted to fight tension, so I guess there's that. Um, but is the money really worth it? And is Dana really that stupid? I mean, is Dana, is Dana like really gonna be that stupid to let him go off and do whatever the hell he wants? Possible. Oh, I just thought of a compelling fight. So, what about Thalison Gomez Fejea? Thalison Gomez Fejea. Yeah, I think because of the fact that Thalison weighs in at 135 pounds, they would have to do a catchweight fight at 130. Uh, he also fights at flyweight, though. No, no, he fights at flyweight, uh, Gomez. Oh, okay. He was he's in the he was in the Rise tournament. Um, that's the division that tension is in. They're in the 125 pound division, I believe. Huh? Um. But he has thought uh, he fought at 135 pounds at the um when he fought Tiger. Um, yeah, or you know what, Ryzen can just make she can just she can just not do anything and just say here here's a one and zero fire tension. Go have fun. Go be a kickboxer. Oh, yeah, because we all know him fighting against Jobbers worked so well. I mean, look at the Dylan Kaliqua illegal fight that he had. Hey, you know, it makes for good gifts and highlight reels. I'll say that. Exactly. Um, but that was the, um, that was Ryzen 16. Uh, Dylan, uh, actually I want to also let it, so I've tallied up all the scorecards. And I gave us all one for tension because, let's be honest, we all would have picked tension. I bet. So, the yeah. final scorecards came in at Christian, seven correct picks. Me, seven correct picks, and Dylan at ten. So Dylan, wow. you picked ten. Because you yeah, ten wins for me, huh? Yeah, because you picked uh, Uyama to beat Kengo, Soy to beat Kawahara, uh, Full Swing to beat Hyatt, uh, Tofik, uh, Shiratori. Uh, we all picked Nakamura. You, uh, you picked. Uh, well, uh, not you picked Saiga, but you got the point because of his replacement, Torio, yeah. um, uh, Miyu, Ayaka, and then the tension. 
So yeah, you you picked them. You you got ten. Oh man, I'm very proud of that. I'm gonna I'm gonna be bragging about this on Eastern Larry. I think we're gonna re be recording a show tomorrow after we do this, and I'm gonna brag about this to all the J wrestling fans. Oh well. you. Uh, oh. Oh, you! Uh, I hope you do. You 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 totally deserve it. But um, I also uh, wanted to uh, ask us after every um after every car that we review, we give a fight a night and uh up to two performances a night. I know initially, Dylan, you said that your fight a night was the was uh was a kind of Hyatt versus um full swing. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. And, uh, here's how I judge fight of the night here because I think the most entertaining one was Jake and Rocky. Mm -hmm. But to me, the other one had such a dramatic finish to end near the end. That's how I kind of grade. That may not be the right way or the official way, but that's how I judge it when I said that. But if you want to give it to, to Jake and Rocky, that would be the most entertaining one. Mm -hmm. in, ter in terms of performance of the night, like I said, to me, first of all, uh, <laughs> I, I want to say Yuyama for, <laughs> for just destroying Kengo. Uh, and that was a fun fight, uh, but still, I, I was so impressed with Soya's high kick. To me, he he right away stood out to me. And oh, uh, you mean Nakamura's yeah, uh, high kick or Soya's uh, Nak punch? Uh, so yeah, Soya's punch okay. uh, and uh, Nakamura's high kick. Rather, sorry, excuse me. Um, I got, I think I got my notes mixed up. Sorry. Uh, yeah, but Khan Nakamura, that high kick was awesome. Uh, to me, and I like the match was fine for what it was, but the kick really stole the show. Uh, and also, to me, for an overall performance, I think Jake would have to be my number two because he had a little bit of everything uh, in his entertainment fashion. He had the fighting wherewithal. He threw a cartwheel kick, just like tension. So those are my two picks: mm -hmm. Khan and Jake. Uh, Christian, what about your picks? My pick for knockout of the night. Obviously, that went to Khan Nakamura for knocking the holy high hell out of Ito Nakatop. My fight of the night pick definitely goes to Jake Hume versus Rocky Martinez. Mostly because of the fact that they done a whole hell of a lot to make the whole, I mean, to make their fight interesting and to probably make. The rising heavyweight division, interesting as what my performance of the night, it goes to Tenshin Asakawa. Mm. And my worst fight of the night, even though I normally don't do this, but the worst fight of the night, we all have to agree, was Top Noi Tiger Moi Tai versus Yusaku Nakamura, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah. you guys would probably say the Jin Yu Ayaka Hamasaki fight was just as bad. Yeah, Nakamura versus I like Hamasaki. I like that fight. Man. That was more. It was more of an unimpressive. It was more unimpressive. Well, in this case, you guys would probably say the Musayo Kuchin fight was underwhelming, but Nakamura versus Tapnoi was pretty damn bad. Oh yes. Absolutely. That was, that was the worst fight to me, too. The top of the fight. For my favorite fight, goes to JQ and Rocky Martinez for putting on a classic pride heavyweight war. Performance of the night goes to Khan Nakamura for the beautiful one-kick knockout and the con with the post-Khan McGregor walk after. 
And then yeah. after that, I gotta give it to Tenshin Asakawa for the beautiful, once again, a beautiful highlight reel finish. But you know, gotta give out shout outs to Erisan and Yuayama and, um, and uh, Yuya Shibata for their impressive finishes as well. But I have to give it to Tenshin and to Khan just because they're all, you know, so whenever they, well, whenever Tenshin finishes, it's always something different. Something brutal, something violent, and it's always great. And Khan Nakamura, just his entire, his entire, him in the entire fight was a performance, and that's what made it great. Um, I do have some fan feedback as well. Karev fan, favorite fight: Miyu versus Kana. Surprised. Uh, uh, see, uh, he he liked the wrestling style. That's what I told you about Miyu. Uh, favorite fit. Favorite finish. Um, Nakamura, uh, Khan uh, uh, Nakamura. Uh, worst fight, Topnoy versus Nakamura. I don't think anybody's gonna. I think that the, the world would agree on that. But no one will be an island for that. Any future matchups in mind? Hewn versus Shemitov. Do you hate intermissions more? Yes. Uh, who should fight again in Ryzen and who shouldn't? Thinks that Jake Hewn should fight again. Thinks that uh, Nakamura, uh, Yusuke Nakamura, should go bye bye. And his overall thoughts? Fuck Fuji. TV and fuck the ISKA um, kickboxing organization. Um, wow, he really hates the ISKA, huh? Well, I think I think he I think it has something to do with. Uh, I think he blames them because when I when I was asking about when I was inquiring about this whole Faraji pulling out of the um, out of the tension fight, he said it, it sounded like it may have been on the I. He was saying that it was an ISKA's end. Um, I think, um, which. Apparently, they either they, they fucked up when it, when it came to the agreement, or it was Faraji's management. There was some like sort of still miscommunication on the ISK's end. Um, let's see what other feedback do we have. Uh, Dean Honeybadge, who's at Dean Burley MMA, um, says that Yamamoto versus Azakura had some great scramble, great scrambles, great scrambles. And actually, that's true. That there were some actually very impressive uh, scrambles in that match. Um, he also says that his finish, fair finish. Uh, was Soya with the soccer kicks after he knocked out Kawahara into the Shadow Realm. And then he loved the finishes also by Erisan Yamamoto and Tenshin Nasukawa as well. And I think I have one more piece of feedback. Uh, ah, here we are. Uh, oh, Fight Nights and Gifts um, with Jeremy. Uh, he posted a lot of... Um, Gifts and stuff as well for uh, for fights. Uh, he writes. Um, oh, also walk out of the night. Uh, a Karev fan said that there was um, um, that Jake Hewn as well. Uh, fight nights uh, at J and he's at J Ginger seventy seven writes. There's uh. Oh wait, no, I'm sorry. I'm 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 stupid. I'm reading something entirely different. It has nothing to do with feedback to that. Okay, here's the one I was looking for. Okay, here's who's Logman, who's at Edge of Victory. He writes, great card. Favorite finish was Khan Nakamura's win. I want to see more of him for sure. Hashtag Ryzen 16. So I think it's fair to say Khan Nakamura is, is one of the big winners to come out of this uh, Ryzen 16. Hopefully, they'll have him back for a show. Um, yeah. MVP of Ryzen 16. And I think overall... Um, I think overall this was a, a good card. I think we, we uh, better than the Rise of Fifteen show, um, you know. But I'm looking forward to that Rise of Seventeen show, 
at Saitama because you know Saitama shows they're just different they're just different than your Aichi Prefectural Stadium shows and your Kobe Memorial World Hall shows there's something special about Saitama uh, but that's the Ryzen 16 show um, Dylan I want to pass on to you I wanted to give you an opportunity to plug all of your your sponsors your 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 Patreons your your podcasts uh, your wrestling promotions or whatever everything that you're doing right now throw it out there the floor is yours Listen, before I, I do that, I have to uh, shout out you for using my Banish to the Shadow Realm catchphrase. Yes. I noticed you slipped that in. That did, that did, that did not go past, uh, which I appreciate it. Feel free to steal that and use that on your own uh, many times. Uh, but if you want to find me on Twitter talking about all kinds of Japanese wrestling and wrestling from anywhere, uh, I really love wrestling all over the place, even places like, you know, Chile. Philippines, my Philippines Wrestling Revolution. Uh, everybody should check those things out. Uh, talk to me about them at Dylan Zero Sky. Spell it all out. Uh, check out my online radio shows. Whenever I talk to women, I always, I never say podcast. I always say online radio shows. It sounds mm. better that way. So that, that's a tip for you guys. Uh, it, it sounds more fancy. But check out the Eastern Lariat with my friend Striga. Andrew mentioned him earlier. He runs CageRematch.net. We'll be doing a show very soon to talk about. Uh, Dominion, uh, the New Japan show, which uh, is happening. And check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash easternlariat. It's very easy. We have uh, $1, $3, and $5 subscriptions. The Rise and Tide podcast is from the $3 subscription and the $5 subscription, so either one you pick to get it. Uh, check out my other show, Lucha Talk, on MLW, which is a show about Lucha. Uh, it's very fun as well. Uh, kind of a lighthearted show, but... All that stuff going on, and most importantly, just follow me and check me out. And hopefully, uh, if you like my appearances on the show and my very good predictions as we had on, and uh, also the things I said actually kind of came to pass, too, on the previous show. A lot of stuff that I, I pointed out. So I was very proud of that appearance. And so if you like me, uh, let these guys know that you want me back on, and uh, I'll come back anytime uh, my name gets called, so to speak. Thank you so much, guys, for both of you for having me. But also, don't forget, don't, your, your, you have your, uh, your pure, uh, the, the pure Larry Hart podcast. Is that what the title? It's, yeah. It just recently came about. Right? It's, a, it's relatively new, right? Yeah, pure Hart, pure Larry. Pure, yeah. Uh, that's a, yeah, pure Hart, pure Larry. It's a basically uh, that's a play off of the old JWP uh, name uh, catchphrase or whatever. That show is all about Joshi. I actually just released a new episode of that, but. Uh, Striga was a, kind of a goof on that one and released it later than it should have, uh, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, I'll have some things on there too. I interviewed uh, this girl Yappy. Uh, she wrestles in Ice Ribbon in Japan. Uh, that was a really great episode. Got a lot of feedback about that. I'll have some more stuff coming on later in the month uh, after some more shows happen on, on that note. Uh, but yeah, like I said, check all of those shows out. And that's, that show is actually on the Eastern Marion feed as well. So if you go to the Eastern Marion feed, wherever you go, you can just look down a little bit and you'll find the Pure Heart, Pure Marion as well. Uh, so it's very easy to find for everybody. It's all the same. And I cannot recommend the Eastern Marion enough, especially for all of your Pure needs, whether you like New Japan or if you want to go f as far down the ladder as a YMZ or Gato Move show. <laughs> That's right. I had got to move on, on, on Pure Heart as well. So, uh, good job there. I will say one specific show that you should check out. Uh, me and Strig earlier this week did a show covering the life and career of Atsushi Aoki. 
a very uh, talented wrestler who uh, unfortunately passed away in a motorcycle accident this past week. And we did a whole show about his life. And we got praise from lots of wrestlers that wrestled with him, uh, people listening like that, and a lot of the fans too. So I uh, really hope you guys can check that out. Uh, more than anything else, I'm actually legit proud of that show. So. And I, uh, got everybody to check I listened to it on the, on the way back from work on... I believe it was a Wednesday, well, Wednesday night going into Thursday morning, and uh, I had about a two-hour drive from New Jersey to back to New York, and it was an incredible. I listened through the entire thing the the whole way through, and it was incredibly. It was an one an absolute. I I don't want to use the word gem, but it was an it was an an incredible. I know you don't like to use the word podcast. But uh, an incredible radio show. I'm, I'm going to cheat. I'm, I'm going to use an incredible podcast listening. Yeah. It was inc- Thank you so much for that, man. Uh, I was really proud of it. And hopefully anybody who checks that out, I appreciate it as well. And, You're uh, welcome. And uh, Christian, I think uh, I'm going to pass on to you uh, all the plugs for, for us now. Oh, okay. And if you like this, program feel free to follow us on twitter at we are rising pod w-e-a-r-r-e-r-i-z-i-m-p-o-d all in one book and you can also check us out on soundcloud stitcher radio and hopefully soon we'll be working to get our stuff put on google podcast or tune in or whatever or wherever you get your podcast but for now it's soundcloud and stitcher in the meantime, sorry, don't, uh, sorry, uh, Christian, don't forget, YouTube and now Podcast Bay picked us up. Oh, YouTube.com, you can search up the, blah, you can search up the We Are Rising Podcast there, and you can also check us out on Podcast Bay. Hopefully, hopefully I can, you know, try and find a way to get this podcast onto another platform other than Podcast Bay, but those the options you have to check us out for right now. As far as focus price is concerned, we cover the sports events and we cover combat sports events and prospects from all over the globe. The MMA scenes of Japan, South Korea, the UK, Russia, and the US will be emphasized. You can follow us on Twitter at Focus Fight, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Focus Fights, and also check us out on YouTube. Just search for Focus Fight. Also, the MMA Opinion, which for the last five years is one of the premier MMA blog sites, MMA blog page is actually on Facebook, facebook.com slash the MMA Opinion. And Andrew Benjamin, you can check him out at abenjamin1, A-B-E-N-J-A-1. I am on Twitter at chrisgary92. Be sure to give me a follow because I will follow you. And much like the world... Of MLW Major League Wrestling, J. No, actually, let me rephrase that. Much like the world of Major League Wrestling, the world of JMMA never stops. And as we always like to close it out, as we always like to close out this podcast loud and proud, Lenny Hart, what do you say? And on that note, as a friend of mine used to say, we out this mug. Later.